Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Jeremy White. It seems like for those of you that had old Nintendos, you pull the cartridge out... You blow in it, and you put it back in. Like, See yes. if this works. Yeah. And sneaky Joe DiBiase. The PlayStation 2 memory cards were the same thing for me. It, it did somehow always work. You never had a regular Nintendo, Josh. No, I did. My you... first my first game system no. was a GameCube. Old? What was I thinking? I ain't old. The GameCube was not regular I Nintendo. I'm talking about the actual first Nintendo. Boy, I can teach you guys some things about video games. I'm going to give you a phrase. You tell me if it means anything to you. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, start. We're not so different. You and I. Let me let me ask you if this brings anything to mind. Wave dashing. No. Okay. See? What's that? Different times. Smash Bros. You're listening to Jeremy and Joe on Western New York Sports Giant. WGR Sports Radio 550. It is 20 what degrees, Joe? 26 right now? 28, I think, was what my car said. Yeah. Good news is it's going to go back. Yeah, okay. High of 51 today. We're going back. Yep. Yesterday, I Good. The opposite of uh, Wednesday. Yes, that's right. Yesterday, I was out with a dog and a friend, you know, doing like one of those dogs run outside days that we do a lot, and it was, I don't have the science on this, but it was minus a million degrees. (laughs) Yes. It was so cold, and I was, you know, for the last whole week, we've been used to it being nice, and then, yep. oh, here's one day of negative one million. Yeah, Wednesday night, I was walking outside for, like, five minutes, and the wind, it, it felt like the Arctic. It felt like, th- this has got to be what the North Pole feels like, because of how windy it was. And also, the fact that, you know, I was not dressed appropriately, because when I left the house, it was 55 degrees. Yeah. And then it was t- 10 when this was happening, with the wind. Yeah. Hopefully this is it though. Yes, I think it might be. I'm 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 optimistic. I think we should all be optimistic. The ten day forecast has, you know, a sixty eight on the card. Nice. Although, When's that? When's uh, that? Happening? Sunday, Monday, maybe. Sunday, Monday. Monday, Monday, Tuesday. All right. Yeah, Monday, sixty eight. And I'm seeing next week maybe it's going to dip back colder, but not as cold as it has been in the last twenty four hours. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. good morning. Lots to get to today. Sal will join us from the combine to uh, wrap. This week, Paul Hamilton, and uh, you know some it, w- one thing about today. We'll get to some savers in a moment, but you know what today is? Today is a big day because today is the day that wide receivers speak at the combine, mm-hmm. which means that 
all of these future Bills wide receivers are going to talk about how excited they are to be future Bills wide receivers. Yep. Yes, they are. Will Marvin Harrison talk oh, yeah, about they're... the idea of playing with Josh Allen? Something we know will not happen because he's going to go too high. But right. every one of these guys, Malik Neighbors, oh, it would be amazing to play with Diggs. Imagine if Marvin Harrison Jr. got up there and just said, I'll only play for the Bills, <laughs> actually. I actually had only want to play with Josh Allen. Be wonderful. Yeah. But we're going to get all these guys talking about, oh, yeah, I met with the Bills. It was really great. Big fan of Josh Allen. And today's a day to when they get to talking a little bit later on this morning, like, you know, 9 o'clock hour and then beyond. Because tomorrow they run. Tomorrow they work out. So today is just, all right. Yeah. How, how how much how how great would it be to be a bill? Oh, that'd be so great! And you know we're off and running. Yeah, great and day. Then, and then if they really want to be a bill, if you get a uh, someone that needs to fall, Brian Thomas Jr. Perhaps maybe just gets up there and starts talking about how birds aren't real. Apparently, <laughs> and with, maybe some teams will pass on him because yeah. of that. And he'll I'm gonna get my way to the Bills. I'm gonna go up there and talk about how I don't think that this this animal exists. There was one guy that said he didn't believe in space yesterday. Oh, that one too. He doesn't believe. I saw the birds aren't real. One. Yeah, he does not believe in space. What does that even mean? You just doesn't believe in it. Did he offer up what he thinks space is? Then I think he might be a flat Earth guy. He, okay. He said he feels that flat Earth theories have some validity. But I okay. don't flat Earth though. I don't think often includes well, space doesn't exist. I feel like he's adding that in. As I'm a sweetener. I'm not too up on the whole theory, if theory is even the right word. Um, but if yeah. it, if it is flat, I, what does that mean? Space is. I mean, it's still there. There would be an underneath, right? Like I don't know. I I, I would want to. Yeah, I don't know how deep in they get on that. Well, I don't think I've ever heard that part of the flat Earth theory, though. It's like, oh, oh, by the way, space just doesn't exist. It was just something else. Yeah, it was defensive backs yesterday that were all talking because yesterday was the day where all the safeties said, "Yes, I met with the Bills. It would be so great to be a member of the Buffalo Bills." A lot of that yesterday. Today's receivers. So, All right. if you want to chime in on that, you can join us, 803-0550 and 1-888-550-2550. I do want to start on the Sabres, who won last night. They beat Tampa in overtime. Yep. That's cool. I On a nice, like, you could design play. Yeah. Like, drew it up, played, went perfectly. They scored. They won in overtime. After Thompson almost scored what would have been the nicest goal he scored all year. <laughs> yeah. Just missed. They did not play particularly well. They were not threatening at all. You know, they got this mm-hmm. win despite very few high-danger chances. They had two in the game. Yeah. Two high-danger. They, they, they had a lot, of, a lot of, another one of these games where they had a lot of shot attempts, but nothing really around the net. Yeah. Or at least not like the high-danger, like you mentioned. Right. Yeah, well, they had they, 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 five total in the game, but at even strength, they had two high-danger chances. On 43 shot attempts, yeah. they had two high-danger chances. They are playing yeah. a brand of hockey that is non-threatening. They do not look threatening at all. Hey, they won. So, they okay, did. to that point, I want to bring this up because this is something that I got into a little bit of a back and forth on Twitter. Not a fight, just like a, hey, I like this topic actually. So Mike Bunt of uh, Trainwreck Sports said this. He posted that if we're being real about the Sabres, they're closer to being a playoff team moving forward than they were at the end of last year. They have better goaltending, more discipline defensively, and will likely improve offensively next year. It's a more consistent brand of hockey. So basically Mike's thought is, or at least what I took of it is, that they're closer this year than they were last year. And I don't think that's correct at all. Mm -hmm. I think what's happened is they got a lot better goaltending. They went from well below league average goaltending to, ready for this on Lukanen? He gives them a chance to win every night. 
Yeah, he does. The Sabres yeah. now have one of those goalies where the way Lukanen's played since January 1st, the way he's been playing, and last night was a game like this too, it's, who are you playing? Oh, that's a tough matchup. Well, UPL's in net, and you have a chance because of that. So, I mean, what's really yeah. different? The Sabres are playing a more responsible brand. Eh, I'm not so sure about that. You want to tell me there? That's fine. It's more sustainable? Why? I mean, Tage Thompson scored 47 goals last year. Yeah. And he's not going to get to 30 this year. That's more sustainable. That's better. They have a lot of players that are not even the same versions of themselves. And I, I'm, do I have to believe that it's better? I, I don't know that it has to be. It's, it sounds to me like you want to be the Islanders if you think you're closer to being a playoff team. Like you think that that's, that's your pathway. Your pathway to being what though? Just squeaking into the postseason? Like I, I don't know what how much upside you think there really is with okay they're are they playing better defensively I think they are playing better defensively on some level I don't think they're one of the best defensive teams in the league I think they have a great I think they have a goaltender that's having a career season Yep That's pretty much it And goalies are the most what fluctuating thing in the sport year to year So because they're not mathematically closer Right, like last year, they were mathematically way closer yeah. than they are right now. So that's not the case. So if I hear, well, they're closer now than they were last year. I think that what that means is this formula is the formula that is closer to getting them in than what last year was. And I just don't know how repeatable this this is, where you're getting top ten level goaltending, you're limiting chances even with injuries on the blue line. And none of your best players are really scoring to par. I that that's not that's not the formula. That's not how you get into the postseason. And it's certainly not how you ever become a contender, right? You want to play this style of hockey. I think you max out at being the New York Islanders. Go ahead. You're going to get into the playoffs maybe once every three years, and you're going to lose in the first round to Boston. <laughs> right. But like last year presented more than just okay. This is how you break the drought, but. Okay, if Tage Thompson's scoring 47 goals and you have six guys that are scoring 60 plus points and Darlene is a Norris level player for 60 games, like that that's how you're legitimately good. Not just let me find a way to backdoor into the playoffs because my goalie got hot for 50 games. Yeah, the whole thing to me, it's not to say that they're any closer or farther away. Missing is missing and there should be and there is a lot of fluctuation in the standings. Last year, here's a fun fact on this. Last year, they finished the season on goal differential at a minus four. Okay. So almost even. Yeah. Minus four is their goal differential. This year, right now, what are they? They're a minus six. They're like the same team. They're like the same team. They're the same team, just it looks a little different. And I think if you're – the point Mike is making, which I think is a fair point, I just don't tend to agree with it, all you're revealing is you think that – defensive hockey has more value than offensive hockey. That playing this mm-hmm. responsible style is better than the fire wagon hockey they played last year. I mean, last year they gave up th- like 300 goals. That's a lot yeah. in terms of goals against. But if they had this goaltending last year, oh, they just just the goaltending. Yeah. And, you know, whatever. You want to say that they gave up better opportunities. If, the, if Lukanen was this good last year, would they finish, what, third in the division? They're easily a playoff team. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to get too tied up on 
well, the goalie is better, and that indicates growth in all these other areas. If you are better defensively, but you lose all the time, then nobody cares. Right. And they, you know, Luke Lukanen's been very good, but last night in overall shot attempts at five on five, you know, Tampa. Tampa didn't have a ton either. Like, well, that's right. That's right. Me, like high danger stuff. They didn't have a lot. That's right. The first yeah. period, the Sabres weather a storm. The second period is just slop. And the third period, I mean, it felt like the Sabres had the puck. I don't have the numbers for that, but it felt like they had the puck for almost the whole third period. But then there was that minute at the end where it looked like they were about to blow it. Yep. Because Tage broke his stick, and then they had to ice it, and there was just a ton of weird stuff happening around the net, around Lukanen. And by the way, they are they are better. But like I said, they're not... Good at preventing chances. Just stick to high danger chances. Last year, okay, they were fourth from the bottom. So they were 28th in the NHL in preventing high danger scoring chances. Excuse me, 29th in the NHL in preventing high danger chances. This year, they're 19th. They're still below average at preventing high danger chances. They are better. They are definitely better. But I don't know what's closer, being one of the worst teams defensively, but also being... Like the best, one of the best offensive teams in the league, or being a middling defensive team that can't score. Because being a middling defensive team that can't score doesn't sound like a recipe for success on any level. It is also a stark turn from what Granado said last year when he said it's an entertainment business. You know, we're here to entertain. And they played a style that kind of won their fans back. So he said it won the players over too, right? Like the yes. players have more fun yes. when they're playing that style of hockey. And now this year. You know, who knows how much of it is revisionist, but when he was on this week, I asked him about Krebs and how Krebs had taken on a new role. And it's Granado's belief or approach, however you want to say it, that what they did with Krebs this year was necessary. We know he has the playmaking. We know he can do all this. But now putting him in the kind of role where he's got to think more defensively and be a better, more responsible player away from the puck and get better habits, building that into his game will then add to the offensive side, and he'll be a more complete player. Meanwhile, if you're someone that watches Krebs, you think, like, he's just buried now. There's no yeah. there's no ability for him to flourish. And last night's a great example. Last night, after getting a couple of chances on better scoring lines with better teammates, including one where he fed Owen Power for a game-tying goal at home, what, this week? Yeah. He made a great play. He made great plays in this game. He yeah, might, he might have led them in expected goals through two periods. He did. He actually led the. He led them in the game by more than ten percent. Sure, by himself. And in the course of last night, he started the game on a line with Gergensen's and Eric Robinson. Right. And ended the game on the bench. And he actually, there was a chance in the first period where I think my my buddy texted me. He fed Benson. Benson was streaking in, probably off the bench. For a one-timer from the slot, Benson like didn't pick the puck up. It was like along the ice, but whatever. Krebs found him, and then like the next shift found Connor Clifton. Yeah, and both guys had just coming off the bench. Clifton, whatever, but Benson, like, oh man, maybe maybe you should put put him on that line with uh, with Zach Benson. Might be nice to get him on a line with that guy because he had been playing with Gergensen and Robinson. It's like, oh, the second you put a skilled player out there with him, even if he's tired at the end of a shift, he found the guy for a scoring chance. It, he he is just he's blocked, right? Yep. It's the, it's a warning sign for all the prospects that are not yet here that we've talked about how there just isn't room for them. Even if there ends up being room for them in the lineup, I mean, if you keep if you keep especially Casey Middlestad around, uh, this is the future for Matt Savoy for 
for Yuri Kulik. Just you, but you better either play the wing, or you're gonna be buried on the depth chart. You're gonna be playing ten minutes. Krebs the last time was even extra weird because he just didn't even get a shift in the third period. I guess or he had one shift he in was, the third he was, period. He was stapled to the bench. I mean, I don't, I don't know what I don't know what that is. He, he was playing great. Yep. He was finding guys. He had chances. They had 11 shot attempts while he was on the ice. The opponent had three. He had a couple of scoring chances himself. Um, again, the passes were really more of it for him. I just, I, I see, I, I watch him and see chances being created. I watch him and I see offense being generated with his speed and his passing ability. I just. I don't know. The, the The coach sees him as a defense. One of two things is right. The coach either doesn't see it, or two, the coach doesn't have anybody to play that defensive role because Tage isn't doing it, and Middlestat's not going to do that, and even Cousins, you might think of him in that way, but he hasn't really been that yet in his career, that defensive stalwart. So is Krebs just... The guy left over, like he's the he's the the pig left at the trough, where the <laughs> only thing left in the bowl is defensive center. So that's just it. You got to be defensive center because that's the only thing we have for you here. Yeah. Eight hundred three hundred five fifty. One quick note of news: Pierre LeBrun has reported apparently that the Sabers were a team that was showing interest in Chris Tanev. Yes, yep. from the Flames over the last two months. Had he been acquired, the Sabers were interested in an extension. He was, of course, traded from the Flames to the Stars. Ten have had a modified no trade and was able to waive it for Dallas and would not waive it for Buffalo is the implication. There so, was another report, by the way, that didn't say it was the Sabres, but that Ten have got traded for it was like a second round pick and like other stuff. Yeah. Someone offered a first round pick, but they they you know, the players' wishes kind of took over there. So I don't I'm not saying no one reported the Sabres were the team that offered the first, but they could have. Okay, well they could have been the team. Let me just get on that real quick. On the one hand, it's a, it's a player the Sabres wanted that said no, and that's disappointing, right? We don't like to hear that. Who, by the way, is like, look, look who said no to them. Like, he's he's a he's a fine player. Hold on, he's thirty four years old. You're right. That's what I was about to get to. On one hand, oh no, a player said no. On the other, Joe, they wanted to extend a player that was going to turn thirty five. Yeah, I guess. Okay. Very. Uh... I don't know, Robin Regeer vibes for me with uh, with Chris Tanev. Worse. A little bit worse, <laughs> but maybe even worse. How old was right? Regeer when he came here? 29? 32? No, he was, was, he he 30, was in his mid-30s, was he, was he 32? He? How old was he, he when, they, when they threw that helicopter out He to... didn't retire here. He went on and played more years. All right, yeah, he was 31. 31. He was, he was three, four years younger than Tanev is right now. Man, I saw that and thought, man, if they can't convince Chris Tanev, if Chris Tanev doesn't want to play for them, Nobody wants to put. Nobody's going to wave. No one's waving a no trade clause to come here right now. No, I think that's definitely true. I got to know what they wanted to extend a guy who is thirty four. Yeah. What does what does extend mean though? Like At two, least a year. two years. At least one year, one. two year. Yeah, I don't know. They got one thirty five year old defenseman that's exiting that has gone horribly in Eric Johnson. And they wanted to bring in. I think Tanev's better at this point, but they wanted to bring in another thirty five year old defenseman. Okay. Yeah. He would have improved their blue line, I guess. 8030550. Meanwhile, Ilya Labushkin got traded too. Yeah. Hilarious. The NHL or a third round pick? It's a three-way trade. You see Bulldogs take on this, which is pretty funny. No. No. So it's a three-way trade. The Leafs trade the Leafs get uh, Ilya Labushkin with 75% of the salary retained and the Ducks get a third and the Canes get a sixth. 
And Bulldog had a funny line about this, like, why are the Canes in there? And the answer is, the Canes see that the Leafs want Labushkin. They're like, oh, yeah, let's help that for sure. <laughs> yeah. What can we do, guys? You need our help to uh-huh. get you uh, Ilya Labushkin? Okay. Yeah. We'll be the middleman. We'll, we'll help you get this player. Absolutely. Let's grease the wheels. The other funny thing I saw about Labushkin is the Leafs, uh, who had this, Dmitry uh, Filipovic had this, that the pick that the Leafs traded for Labushkin last time still hasn't even been made yet. Yeah. They traded for him several years ago for a pick that that pick hasn't even been used yet. And before that pick's been used, they traded for him again. So the total amount of picks they've used to acquire Ilya Labushkin is now up to, what, two-thirds and a sixth? It's like the uh, Sabres with Jimmy VC. The Sabres traded for Jimmy VC multiple times. And here's they the- traded a second to get him last time. Okay. They've so. spent a second, a third, and a sixth. For limited runs of Ilya Labushkin. Yeah, that's pretty that's The pretty NHL tough. is a hilarious product. Larry in South yeah. Florida. Hey, Larry, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. I want to touch on the subject, but before I do, i got to share a group text I got from my buddies in Colorado. Uh, Joe, this is for you, and I think, Jeremy, you're going to appreciate this one. So the opening word in the text was, Sabe will be better next year. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope. I laugh, I laugh for two reasons, Joe. Number one, because... This will be year 13 in a row. We will say, wait till next season. But the best part is saves. We all say saves, Joe. So we I got to I got to support Jeremy on that one. We all we we've gone from we've gone from some people say it to we all say we're, it. We're like two years away from them making a third jersey that has it oh, on there. Oh man! <laughs> like how the Lightning have the <laughs> bolts yes. uh, jersey. Yes. Yep. Yeah, I love that. So. I want to talk about what you guys are talking about. I was originally going to say something about a trade, but hearing hearing what you just said, we are interested in a 34-year-old. That <laughs> I, I really have no faith in Adams whatsoever. I don't know how we go from 47 goals, Tage Thompson, to maybe 25, to over 30 for Tuck, um, Skinner, and... Um, Oh, number 20 for Cousins. And, mm-hmm. again, Skinner's getting close, but that's it. I mean, we're not even sniffing it. So power play just kind of fades away. So there's trades out there. We're not making them. Now, there's probably several reasons. A lot of these people don't want to come here. Yep. That's That's got to be considered a big part of it. Like, I almost feel like every conversation criticizing Adams for what he does and doesn't want to do has to be mm-hmm. has to have a heavy dose of, what can he do? Because, Larry, to the point you hear Chris Tanev doesn't want to come here because of a modified no trade, what are the chances the Sabres landed all the way down at Chris Tanev because all the other guys they want had also said no? Yeah. And they think, let me try here because this guy can't say no to us, and, of course, he does. Yeah, that's a good point. And what I wanted to ask you guys was, of the people out there that may not have a tro- uh, no trade clause or that has, who do you see – that can help us down the road for scoring or possibly defense that would even consider coming here, and what would we have to get out of to get them? Well, it's a tough question. The answer is probably more more along the lines of you, you do it with the same way you did a lot of the players you have, which is you trade for guys that are on entry deals or mm-hmm. aren't far enough along to have earned no-trade clauses. Yeah, the guy you might be thinking of right now for that is the kid in Columbus that is mad that he's in the AHL, who was, I think, the sixth pick right before Savoy, David Juracek. Like, you trade for that guy because he's on a rookie deal still, and he doesn't have the power to say no to you. Yep. And he he might be a special case because he sounds like he just wants to play in the NHL. 
that he feels like he's already NHL ready and he just wants to be in the league. So that's that's the game you're playing. And you you kind of it is kind of a sign of just I mean you you got to find guys that are either like the the name Rasmus Anderson always came up for me in Calgary and one reason was he doesn't have a no trade clause. I guess though, you know, how true does Adams want to hold to players that want to be here? Because even if you find a guy that maybe you could get your hands on and doesn't have a no trade clause, do does the agent tell you beforehand, yeah, he really doesn't want to come there? Do you do it anyway? I mean, the team sending him away has got to do it in the first place and got to be willing to do that. But, you know, I don't want to say you trade for a guy and immediately make him unhappy, but I almost feel like, didn't Tim Murray once trade for Jimmy VC without ever talking to him? I don't know if they never talked, but they did trade for his rights in hopes that they could convince him to like, sign. Like, without knowing that he would sign there? I feel yeah, like, yes, yes. That's... I feel like you, you got to do like a, a more glorified version of that. Yeah. Like, just just go tra- close your eyes and go trade for the guy. But again, you're limited in the first place because I think anyone that's got no trade protection, you, you have to operate right now thinking that that player's probably got the Sabres on their list. 803-0550 to join us. I have an early stat of the day for you. Let's do it early, right? Why not? Get it out of the way. Stat of the day is presented by Seneca Gaming and Irving, home of the biggest bingo payouts and slot machines with thousands won daily. So stat of the day is about the Sabres. It's about tomorrow. Vegas is in town. Eichel did not play last night, but he's out of the red non-contact jersey and will be returning maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. Eichel has been out since January 11th. Yep. It was his last game. He played against Boston, scored a goal, had an assist, and a win over the Bruins. Yep. Eichel hasn't played since January 11th. If he plays tomorrow night, he steps onto the ice. Joe, how many Sabres players have more goals than Jack Eichel this year? Is it? Is it one? It is none. Yikes. He has 19. Skinner and Paterka have 19. He hasn't played since January 11th. Mm-hmm. His coach, too. Did you see what his coach said returning to Boston last night? No. Bruce Cassidy, who was the Bruins coach, what, before last year? And then went to Vegas. He got asked about returning to Boston. And he said, it's nice to come back with a big, nice, shiny ring on your finger, too. It's always a good visit with that. That's from when they played there? That was that was from last, yeah, him before the game yesterday. They played- It's nice to return with a big, nice, shiny ring on your finger. And I have to think that Eichel probably... Uh, yeah. Is thinking the same thing. He'd like to return. He'd like to play yeah. with the big, nice, shiny ring on his finger. It's <laughs> probably. I mean, right. can't he? He did the. Didn't he do the "I can't hear you" kind of celebration? Like last where time? last time where he scored a hat trick. I mean, careful what you wish for because <laughs> if you boo him on Saturday night and he's playing, there's gonna be hundred percent right. Like, can I get odds on him like pointing to the ring finger at I, some point during the game tomorrow night? Would you respect it? It'd be hard not wouldn't, to. Would, I wouldn't like would, it. Would, but you could hate him more than any player that's ever come through, and he points to that finger. Yeah. You'd have to be like, there's, there's, what, what can you say? Yup. <laughs> yeah. That's Everyone it. just puts their head in their hands. <laughs> 803-0550, Plenty to get to here today. It's a big day on the wide receiver train. We'll talk to Paul. We'll talk to Sal. Lots coming up for you here uh, as we roll through lots of different stuff. What else do I have for you here? A great day in Sabres history. March 1st? Yeah, it's a it's a little bit of a random one. Okay. I, I shouldn't say a great one. It's one that sticks out for me uh, for a couple different ways. And uh, we've got some other fun stuff from the Combine as well. We, we're starting to learn a lot at this Combine. 
Jeremy and Joe, good morning. Happy uh, happy Friday. You made it to the weekend. Thanks for coming along with us. 803-0550 on WGR. Tage turns, faces the goal, holds the shot. Pass from the goal line out into the bumper spot. Ripped off and then back to Alex Tuck and he scores. In the slot, Alex Tuck. Slides that one past Vasilevsky, and this game is tied at one. Dan Dunleavy on the call. Moments of the game brought to you by Firth Jewelers. For all the moments in your life, go forth to Firth. Sabres win. They beat the Lightning in overtime. And next play tomorrow at home against the Vegas Golden Knights. I know what you're thinking. Big news. Joe and I have to predict what the Vegas hot dog will be. Yes. Mm. Josh will help us, of course. Uh, oh, Eichel might return too. But the hot dog is the, the key thing on my mind. A Vegas-style hot dog. So, Sabres win. I just found a piece of NFL news from the Combine. So, Sean McDermott's on the competition committee. You just mentioned a couple rules, right? Yep. The story so far seems to be, if you want to call us about the Sabres, you can. Just I found this, and this is such a glaring, such a big story. I want to get on it. Rule changes. Doesn't look like they're changing the tush push. Uh, fine. Definitely not changing the fumble out of the back of the end zone. Right. Fine. I'm actually very happy about that. How about this? The competition committee is expected to propose a change to grounding. Intentional grounding. Okay. Which, hey, good. Yeah. What percentage of football fans think the intentional grounding rule needs a tweak? Is broken in some way. Uh, I would hope a high percent. Yeah. I, I, I thought that. Yeah. But Maybe just 80, 90 percent. And yeah. there's a lot of different ideas. What could they do? I think a lot of people are thinking grounding could be changed. So, all right, Joe, what are they going to do about it? The competition committee has discussed and will continue to discuss adjusting the grounding rule. They're considering a proposal to make no distinction between the quarterback being in the pocket or out of the pocket as there is now. Now, that could go one of two ways. Okay. Do you mean that if you throw the ball away but don't get it to the line, that that's grounding no matter where you are? Uh-huh. Or do you, which way are you going to go? Make the pocket, like, not in the pocket? Or make, anyway. Right. Here's what Florio writes. The quarterback, even if he was in the pocket, would only have to get the ball back to the line of scrimmage to avoid a grounding penalty. You would not need a receiver in the area. So he could just throw it to an empty space. Yes. From the pocket, no foul. Yes. That is not that is insane. what I was expecting when uh, when you said they were considering a grounding Me change. neither. I clicked this article from Florio. I read it. I got down to the bottom and thought, well, stop the presses. We've got to talk about this right away. I thought, I thought because what, what I was about to my here here's where my annoyance with that penalty has always been. It's more of a literal annoyance. It's called intentional grounding. How many throws a year... Do you see a quarterback intentionally throw the ball in the dirt, but it doesn't fall under the the rule? Right. You're outside the tackle box. Right. There's a receiver in the area. It got back to the line of scrimmage. Versus Allen against the Bengals, who did not intentionally throw the ball to an open area when when him and Gabe Davis miscommunicated. Yep. And they did call him for intentional grounding, despite the fact that it was unintentional. But this is not that. Well, this would make it so... This is allowing almost everything. The Allen play couldn't be grounding because it got to the line of scrimmage. Right. 
So instead right. of figuring out all the plays where it looks like that guy definitely just threw it away on purpose, one hundred percent. We all know instead of it. those yeah. plays, they looked at the Allen play and thought, okay, we'll make it so you, as long as you get it past the line of scrimmage, it's not grounding. Wow. Troy Vincent on this quote: We think about protecting the quarterback. There's an opportunity here to look at that injury data. Most of the quarterback injuries occurred in the pocket. It may be time to evolve this particular call to protect the quarterback both in and outside the pocket, as well as assisting the referee in that administration because his eyes are actually on the QB. Did it make it back to the line of scrimmage? I can't even believe it. I I think uh can we can we throw this car on the back of the wide receiver train because don't don't draft an edge defender. Never anymore. draft an edge rusher again. There's gonna be no, is there gonna be a sack ever again? Ever. This reminds me of the tuck rule. So when the Patriots went on Tom Brady's tuck rule, we learned that if you pump fake the ball and then never put your hand back on the ball, you can't fumble. Mm-hmm. That was the thing. And we thought, why don't you just go back there and pump fake every time and then never put your hand on the, your second hand on the ball and you can never fumble. And the NFL, I think, ended up tweaking that rule. This is a disaster. You tell me th- it doesn't sound like an action. This is gonna it's gonna it's gonna completely. I mean, I know there is there is protecting the quarterback, and you will accomplish that by doing this. But I feel like it goes this. It sounds in theory like it would go too far. All I've got to do as the quarterback now is practice my turn left or turn right and throw it into the stands past the line of scrimmage from the pocket. Right. Right. If I'm Allen and I'm seeing this, I'm thinking, okay. Anytime I feel pressure or know like I'm about to go down, just let me launch the ball as far as I can into 40 the yards third out of bounds. Yeah. Yeah. Because if I'm Josh Allen, I, I never have to take a sack again. I think. If, even if I'm, if I'm going down, I, do, I wonder if they'll have some, some part of it where if you're already being tackled or something, then, then that would be intentional grounding. Because imagine you are. Imagine you're Allen, or imagine you're Tua, you know, a smaller quarterback, and a defensive tackle has got you, and you're about to go down, and at the last second, you just kind of whip the ball forward, like, into the grass. Not that far. You could be five yards behind the line of scrimmage. Let me yep. just whip this ball five yards off the turf as I'm falling to the ground. Yep. Incomplete. You get to the line of scrimmage, you're good to go. Now, I, I, never take, I never have to take a sack again, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Paul in Buffalo. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, guys. Um, the Peyton Crud talks is, is kind of silly to me because at some point, any NHL player has to produce unless they're like Andrew Peters. Uh, Peyton Krebs has three goals and eight assists on the season. Tyson Jost has two goals. Kyle Akposo has 11. Zemgis Gergensen has six. Peyton Krebs, much like Rasmus Asplund before him, is expected awesome, actually terrible. Uh, second point, between UPL and middle stack contracts, when you get near 100 NHL starts for a goalie, save percentage does not lie. UPL is getting to a very, very good save percentage, and it's on an upward trend. Anyone who would think of giving Casey Middlestat, say, $5 million a year for three years, who would not give that to UPL, I don't know what sport you're watching. Um, that's it, guys. I'll hang can, up. Can I, wait, before you hang up, can, yeah, sure, sure. can I ask a question? When when Jeff Skinner was buried in the fourth line, did you think at some point he just had to produce and it wasn't Ralph Kruger's fault? Jeff Skinner has a a, a career history of producing okay. goals. He but he had, se- but he had seven he had, year. But he had 20 goals over two seasons. He doesn't have 30 goals in his career. But he had a seven-goal season. 
that year? Did you we think he had just had to produce? To show you, he's a producer. But Jeff he wasn't producing. A producer. But he wasn't producing. The coach, we knew it was because of the coach. Peyton Krebs in his last eight games has one assist. Who has been his line mates in the last eight games? Has he played with skilled players? And they've looked great. Yeah. Those lines he have looked better. He has one assist. You have to produce at some point. That's why Rasmus Asplund doesn't have a job in the NHL. That's why UC Pugliarvi, another expected awesome, actually terrible player, can't find employment. No NHL GM. I have never, ever heard an NHL GM or coach from any team talk about expected goals for. There are great analytics out there. Expected goals for, especially for a forward, is not... I'm not even talking about expected goals. I'm talking about a guy whose skill is passing the puck and he doesn't have shooters around him. Yeah, I mean... How do you expect him to... He's never going to score goals. Like, I think we already knew that about him coming in. That's the prospect he was. If he was ever going to be great, he was going to be a guy that put up a ton of assists. Sure. And, and, and you can't put up a ton of assists when you're passing the puck to Zemgus Gergensens. You don't even have to believe he's great or has the ability to be great. What do the Sabres have to lose by giving him that extended look in that spot? I mean, what would you have said about Tage Thompson before he got the opportunity to play center? He right. was... What? In the AHL and stunk and got an opportunity to try something different and exploded. And I think that's an outlier. It's not exactly like you'd expect Krebs to do anything like that. But Peyton Krebs got thrown on the line with younger players that can mm-hmm. score, not Gergensen's and Eric Robinson. Yeah, in, in the Skinner example for me, like I understand Skinner had a, a, a long track record. 40 goals, even right before Kruger put him on the fourth line for a full season with Vladimir Sabatka. But it's the same thing to me in that Okay, at some point, you just have to produce. No. If you're playing with players like that, you can't. Like, I think that we have enough examples of that in the NHL where if a guy's buried playing 10 to 13 minutes on the fourth line with guys that are, do not produce offensively, you cannot reasonably expect to, you can't demand at some point you just have to produce. Unless you're Connor McDavid. Playing with Eric Robinson and Kyle Oposo, like who's putting up points with those guys? Right. Yeah, I mean to say that Krebs hasn't produced, like okay, thanks. He hasn't really played consistently with anybody of any value. Yeah, I just I want to see it. I don't and, know and what's, that he what's, would put up sixty points. And again, like, but the, the flip side or the 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 counterpoint is, or whatever the response. What's the downside? Yeah, there's no return on playing him with. Gergensen's and Eric Robinson. Right. And if you play him with Benson and Paterka, maybe you find that, hey, look, there's a he has a scoring streak. He helps you. He gets hot. You know, like things don't have to be sustainable for them to be worth a try. You are dead in the water, kind of, as the Sabres, needing any offensive spark you can possibly get. Last night at even strength, you don't want to talk about expected goals, Paul. That's fine. NHL GMs are absolutely using this kind of stuff. At, at five on five, they had one expected goal. Total in the game. Mm-hmm. This is a team that does not get expected goals because they don't get great chances because they spam the net from everywhere. Thanks for the call. 803-0550-1888-550-2550 to join us. Jeremy and Joe, we'll talk with uh, Sal Capaccio coming up at 8 o'clock. Paul Hamilton at 7.30, maybe get his thoughts on Krebs. It is, of course, Combine Day. Uh, another Combine Day. Receivers work out tomorrow. They speak with the media today, so we're going to hear from a lot of these wide receivers. You can join us if you'd like, 803-0550 on WGR. Hey, it's giveaway time. Been giving away prizes a lot this week. We got more to give away. So, 
How do you win? You call 2214-WGR. And what do you win in this time? Pair of tickets to win, uh, to, sorry, pair of tickets to the Outlaw Music Festival. John Mellencamp, Bob Dylan, Willie Nelson at Darien Lake, September 27th. Tickets on sale today. Go to Ticketmaster.com. Tickets courtesy of Live Nation and Callers 5 and 6. Win a pair of tickets to the Outlaw. Oh, sorry, just Callers 5. Caller 5, that's it. Outlaw Music Festival. Good luck. Jeremy and Joe with you on this Friday. Chilly Friday. Going to get up to the 50s. That's good. Mm-hmm. Sabres and Lightning last night. It, it was a memory of the Labushkin game. Which yes, might have been the best game of the year last year. I, for me, it was. Didn't you, everybody simultaneously stand up as he was roaring down the ice? Yes. And then fist pump. Like, Rob Ray's voice on that call is still my favorite part of, like, the season. Yeah. Because we were all feeling that that second. On both broadcasts, because I remember we played the audio the next day when Labushkin scored an overtime for the Sabres to beat the Lightning. Mm-hmm. But both Dunleavy and whoever their guy is both said some version of, of all the people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Labushkin. Anyway. That they, put them into a playoff spot. Yeah. I think they were in a playoff spot for one day and after the new year last year, and it was that day. It was the day after they – I mean, what the morning after. What was the, How fun was that? The Bushkin just scored, and we're in a spot. Yeah. And they're – I mean, they won in overtime last night against Tampa, but they are 10 out. I saw that the record would have to be like 6-3-1, and one, which you know shouldn't just be assumed by any means, especially for this team. But if the Sabres went six three and one, they'd have a they'd have a better record at the seventy game mark than they did last year, which at least is a little bit of a guess a point towards the the pace is a little bit higher this year than it was last year. Like they are, we might be staring at them finishing ninth in back to back seasons. Which I I don't know that you have to give them any you know extra flowers for finishing ninth instead of thirteenth, but they're four wow. point they're four points out of. Ninth place. Like, they could very easily pass Pittsburgh, Washington, the Devils in the next couple of weeks. They could. They could also just sit where they've been. They could. Haven't the standings looked exactly like this for two and a half months? Where, like, Everybody, the gap between the playoff teams and the non-playoff teams is pretty yeah, wide? the only difference yeah. is Detroit and Tampa swapping the seven and eight spots. But the this has been the standings for three months. Yeah. I've always assumed the Devils would get back into it because they were so good last year, but they they haven't. I mean, they're they're back to chanting Fire Lindy. Yeah, they're not writing Fire Lindy like every day. Like take I, it, it's it's fair to him. I, I saw an article the other day that it would be fair to Lindy to fire to, him. to fire him because this has gone so bad. I was thinking about the NHL. Now maybe this is just a function of having a team that's been you know out of it in tenth in the East forever, but eighty two games and. For the most part, the playoffs are decided usually by Thanksgiving or Christmas. Mm. And that's the case here, too. Would the NHL consider, bear with me, expanding the playoffs and giving a bye at the top? Wow. Make the opening round best out of five? I mean. And give a team a bye. Because I mean, half the league already goes. <laughs> well, it's not about how many teams go. Yeah. What I'm trying to do as the NHL, let, let's say I create that. We're adding one playoff team, mm-hmm. like the NFL. Right, the NFL has two races. You have a wild card race at the bottom, and mm-hmm. you have a race at the top. Who's going to get the one seed? Baltimore got that one seed. With two games to go, they clinched it, and they rest their guys. But all throughout the year, Baltimore looks pretty good to go to the playoffs. So do the Chiefs. The Bills, of course, were at the bottom, or whatever, not the bottom, but Chase and Miami. But the point is, you had all these teams, uh, you had a race at the top. 
in baseball, you have a race at the top because of buys. In the NBA, you want to get out of that 7, 8, 9, 10, right? Mm-hmm. So you can get in and miss the play-in tournament. The NHL, I think, would be wise to introduce something that has more than a race than just for eighth. It's the only race there is. And there really isn't, hasn't, it hasn't been as interesting. I mean, last year you had it because the Sabres made it close at the end and Florida, I remember, wasn't even in it until right. the end. Um, but the year before that was even worse. It was it, kind of like how you mentioned Thanksgiving and it was over. It wasn't over this year, but here, here's what, what, when's Thanksgiving? The date I have is November 26th. I think I have this right. I'll double check it in the break to make sure that there wasn't a switch in between. Okay. But, on November 26th, it's the same eight playoff teams. As today. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going through quickly here, and I think I might have it, that there hasn't been a change in the in the, who the eight playoff teams are in this, this season in the East since November 26th. Right. Which is, like, the whole season. It's not that interesting. Yeah. The NHL should be doing something to get out in front of that and introducing... Play-in tournament? Uh, hey, I'm just saying, NBA you, a race at the top, a race anywhere. Right now, the only race you could convince yourself you have is like at the top well, of, a, of, right. a, of a division where it's, well, like last year, Toronto and Tampa knew they were going to play in the first round the oh, whole yeah. season. It was like, it was months and months, so they knew there was the matchup. Yeah. If I'm the NHL, of course, I'm not, and they never do things really progressively, introducing something. Yeah, you're almost that, saying, like, it. it the buy the, that format or something like that would almost be more valuable at the top than it could be at the bottom. Yes, because, yes. Right, the bottom teams I'm not expecting to do anything once they get to the playoffs. Especially uh, parity in this league, I guess maybe, but like you would be making it so that right now, rather than Boston and Florida, you know, battling to see who plays t- t- who Tampa instead of uh, Toronto. Yep. You would be playing for, oh, you're not going to have to play in the first round. Exactly. It's the beauty of the NBA's play-in tournament. The race to get to six to avoid it. Mm-hmm. The race to get seven being better than eight, eight being better than nine, and nine. You have a race the whole year. And in hockey, like it's been over for a while. 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550. When we get back, update from the Combine. We had I, I heard Matt Miller say the most important thing I've heard yet and I'm going to get it tattooed, maybe not. Maybe I'll get it skywritten across the sky over Highmark Stadium about the Bills and how they should approach the first round. Matt Miller at NFL Draft Scout with One Bills Live yesterday. We'll play that next. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. 
Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good wide receiver class. You know, it's something where we're going to see six, seven, maybe eight drafted in the first round. We could actually see a record broken this year. But it is elite because of those players at the top. Marvin Harrison Jr. is obviously elite. Sorry, Bills fans, he's yeah. not going to be there. Malik Neighbors from LSU, similar situation. Roma Dunze from Washington. But it's that fourth guy, Brian Thomas Jr. from LSU. He might have been the number one receiver off the board last year. And we're going to get into more players this year, you know. Whether it's Adonai Mitchell and Xavier Worthy from Texas, whether it's Keon Coleman from FSU, Lad McConkie from Georgia. I mean, the list just goes on and on. So if you need a wide receiver and don't get one in the first round this year, it's just bad drafting, basically, because there will be a good player there. Matt Miller on Twitter, at NFL Draft Scout, joining Chris Brown and Maddie Glab from the Combine and One Bills Live. Good morning, Jeremy and Joe. Sun is out. Mm-hmm. Temps on the rise. Start the warm-up. Let's go. Get the windows down. Get the golf clubs back out. The windows down. Well, maybe not yet. We had the windows open in the house a couple days ago. It was nice. It was in the... What, did it get to the 60s? Probably it got was to like the 65 60s. the other day. Yeah. yeah. We're looking at 50 degrees by about 3 o'clock today and sunshine all day. Beauty. So looking like a nice day. Very good. You can join us. We've talked a little bit about the Sabres and their win last night. And, you know, the, the big picture, there's a report from Pierre Lebrun that Chris Tanev, who was just traded from the Flames to the Stars was Mm -hmm. someone the Sabres had targeted, but he had a modified no trade and made his decision where to go. And the story in there is also that the Sabres wanted to acquire him and would have given him an extension. He's a UFA. He is 34 years old, um, big defenseman that, you know, the the Flames traded away to Dallas. So there's that. The Sabres did win. They got a point on Tampa, who they are chasing. And they got two on Detroit, who also lost last night. Yeah. So I don't know what the updated playoff – chances are if they went from one percent to like 1.7 percent or two percent hey they got three games and they got three head-to-heads left at detroit so (laughs) if i win all three of those in regulation you're only six out detroit is having one of those seasons where they're not actually good oh but they're having a good year 100 percent. yeah they're getting all the saves and all the pucks are going in yeah jeremy and joe joe's back in today you've missed a, a chunk of this week with the combine there's been plenty of Chatter about receivers. Every every single interview, I'm, I'm like watching them all. Matt Bovey posted a bunch. I saw Josh Reed post a bunch. Sal, of course, doing a bunch of these as well. Um, I, I this will shock you. There's a Debo Samuel 2.0. Do you know? Oh, there's you know, always a Debo there Samuel always 2.0. Is. You know which receiver is Ryan Wilson of CBS um, called this receiver Debo Samuel 2.0. Is it Malachi Corley? Correct. Is it really? Yeah, it is. I really did not know that. I was just taking a shot in the dark. Well, Malachi Corley he's is... A, he's a yak guy. He's the yeah. yak king. That's why, yeah. He calls himself the yak king. He runs like a fullback despite being built like a receiver, like Debo does. Mm-hmm. So that's that's who Ryan Wilson said was Debo 2.0. But that clip there from Matt Miller, if you don't take a receiver in the first round, if you want one and you don't take one in the first round, that's bad drafting because there's definitely somebody worth it. Mm-hmm. Strong, str- strong statement, right? Whether yep. that's Adonai Mitchell or Xavier Worthy or, you know, on and on and on. That if you want one, mm-hmm. you'll get one. Yeah. If you need one, yep. he's also saying, like, yep. if you need one, go ahead. Like, there are, this is your this is your time to shine if you truly need one. And I, I also kind of respect that ideal because it, eliminates the risk of, well, because there's so many good ones, I could just wait until the second round and I can get my guy there when you will 
be gambling. You will be yep. taking a risk by doing that of, okay, well, if there's 14 receivers that I truly like here, I can either sit here right now and take the sixth best one, or I can cross my fingers and hope that while Kansas City's picking and Baltimore's picking and 30 other teams in between are picking, that I'm still, I'm not going to have, I'm not going to have, I'm not going to have eight guys go, that I'm not going to be left at the trough at the end without somebody to pick. That, that, because that's nightmare fuel. That to me is nightmare fuel where you wait till the second round and now you're not in control of the board anymore. If you need the receiver, you're not in control or you've got to go move up and you better hope there's a dance partner for you to go move up so that you can grab a guy. I just think you you are playing games if you have guys available there in round one if and you truly need it and you decide yeah let's 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 hold off let's hold off and play the board let's play the game let's play the feud wait till the second round for it. Uh, mo- every day that passes, hearing that clip too, I'm more entrenched in just like if there's a guy there you like, you just do it. If you have a guy with a first round grade at wide receiver, and if there are four at with a first round grade, don't doesn't matter. Just take one. Don't don't not take one because there's too many that you like there. Yep. Defensive lineman ran yesterday. A couple names we had mentioned. Chop Robinson's one. The Penn State defensive end. It's the guy that's like a freak athlete. He is. He's on Bruce Feldman's list of freaks. He had aimed for running a 4-4, and he ran a 4-4-8. That's so, still pretty So a 4-4-8 good. is a, that is a 4-4, yeah. right? If we're doing the first two. That's like Zay Jones 40 times. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's an edge rusher who ran a 4-4, so yeah. maybe you know he priced himself out of the Bills. Yep. I, I'm, I'm not against edge rusher, just I I think the priority needs to be secondary. I, and what I'm really hoping for is the next couple of weeks to really change the conversation for what their needs are. Like, I am rooting hard for them to just get, bring back either an A.J. Epinesa or a Leonard Floyd. They re-sign a Daquan Jones because I don't know that he gets the respect around the league that it seems that he gets here or the value doesn't seem to be the same because you'll look at these lists of like top available defensive tackles. I know teams are different than pro football focus, but lists of available defensive tackles, and he's not like the top of the list. Track doesn't have him that high. Like Jones might be someone they could bring back and not spend that much, and maybe Floyd or Epinesa would be the same thing. But I'm going to be rooting a lot for them to bring back two of those three guys because I think it will further – it will push – the need for defensive line down the board a little bit. Like that my biggest fear right now is the fact that they have no defensive linemen and that that is the biggest threat to them not taking a receiver. But in 10 days, if they've got Floyd and Jones back or Jones and Epinesa back, I just think it's going to be full steam ahead. Yep. Safeties of course in there. I made the point yesterday with Yep, it is. Um bad class though, right? Every time we kind of well, not not a great class from what Every time we ask someone about it? Maybe not, but a lot of times what that is is how is it at the top, right? Like the receiver class is said to be deep, not only at the top, but all throughout it. And yep. safeties, the first safety one off the board at, let's say the Bills get there. It, and it they could get the be fir- the first it, safety. It could be. Yeah. The first safety going 28th. Let's look at quarterback classes as a comparison. If the first quarterback goes off the board at 20th, what do you say? Bad quarterback class. Yeah. If quarterbacks go 1, 2, 3, 6, 11. Great quarterback class. Great quarterback class. Yep. So with safeties, we've seen some go in the top 10. For, for the Bills, 
This is a McDermott pick that would be different than let, – let's let's discuss safety as an idea. We heard a lot of them talk yesterday. A lot of them said they had met with the Bills. Cam Kinchins, there's one. I, I, he said, yeah, he said he found yep, the Bills. Yep. I watched him. He's one of the higher-rated safeties out of Miami. If they take a safety, you know, you might want – you might be just like me, full speed on the receiver train. And you might be tired of defensive line, although we had the stat yesterday. Do you know how many picks the Bills have spent on defensive line in their last 30 draft picks? No. Three. Doesn't it three feel doesn't it feel like fifteen? But it's three. How far does thirty go back? That's only four years. The draft, three years? At, at Oliver draft they took two. The following draft. Since then, it's been yeah. Epinesa, Basham, Rousseau. That's it. There's not been a lot of yeah. investment in the defensive line, so that is coming. Yeah. But anyway, what I'm getting to is they have not spent a lot on safety because they had Hyde and Poyer forever. Right. Yeah, they didn't spend anything. Nothing. They had they drafted Hamlin. In and, the sixth, right? Yeah. And that's it. But other than that, like their safeties have been not premium assets. Cam yeah. Lewis and who was undrafted, Jaquan, and, Jaquan Johnson, and even Rap. As much as we talked about his starting experience with the Rams, they didn't spend no anything. To very get him. cheap. So they've yeah. spent very, very little on safety, and they've gotten great results out of it. Which leads to two potential schools of thought. Hey, I think Sean McDermott could probably get a lot done with. Shopping here or there. The biggest investment they ever made at safety was Micah Hyde, who, would, who was good. Yep. If they drafted a safety in the first round, Joe, even if you are staunchly offense-offense, defense-schmee-fence, for me it would be, all right, McDermott has built his entire defensive identity, even though they draft defensive ends and spend money there and they rotate. Their bread and butter has been the secondary forever. Mm-hmm. They've been so steady back there. They get Rasul Douglas, and how does it work out? Right away, he's good. Elam's mm-hmm. a bust. Throw him over there. Throw Christian Benford in for him. How's he? He's just immediately good. Mm-hmm. They've The corner two position has long been good no matter what. The safeties. Poyer was not exactly a household name when they got him. He's good. Like The way they coach up and identify guys in the secondary, they're routinely getting good results. And if they looked at that, I, I know you could say you could play with a, a maybe a less of an investment than a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. But if they go for Cam Kinchins in the first round, I'm going to just say, like, all right, well, I'm going to count on the McDermott defense to be sound, taken care of. It's going to work out. Even though Elam busted and we sit yeah. here and, and wonder about him, I just think in the secondary I would feel really good about how that would look. Well, let me let me just let me say this. They, in the last two years, have had more – they've had more – Disruptions in the secondary in the last two years than any other stretch, right? Like they've Trey White, Hyde missed a whole year. Yeah, Poyer was in and out that whole year, and you could even throw in this year that while those two were on the field, it we all knew it wasn't the same. We all it's not they were not playing at an all pro level. Really, either one of them, Poyer, hell was playing half the year at linebacker because more so maybe what they had a linebacker, but whatever. They had Rap moving in and off the field, and he was going back there into safety. And Hamlin had to play a full season because Hyde had missed, right? Jaquan Johnson had started games. Elam didn't produce, and White missed. So here, Rasul Douglas came in, and that helped. But before that, like, it's a lot of Dane Jackson. Yeah, Dane Jackson. Benford was Another, that's good. It's a sixth and seventh round pick. Like They've found their way to answers there. And that's, that's kind of where I want to get to with the secondary. If they draft a safety... I'll be confident they'll turn that guy into a very good player because they've done a pretty good job at developing almost everybody on the defensive side of the football. And I'll think, well, that is their, them saying, like, we think this position is important. It kind of gets talked about as a position 
in the league that you don't. It's not like a premium position. Like it's it's further down the board. It might be closer to running back than it is to the top ones, like edge rusher, left tackle, or whatever. But it would be the Bills prioritizing it and telling you they think that position is a premium position because the moment we don't have our All Pro guys back there, we're spending a first, first round, round pick, pick on it. And I want to point out. You guys have been pretty darn good on defense the last two years, and you've had a lot of trouble back there. Yep. You've had Hamlin playing. You've had Old Poyer and Hyde. You've had Taylor Rapp. You've you've been piece. Cam Lewis has played a bunch back there. You've been piecing it together, and you were the second best defense two years ago, and you were like eleventh last year. How bad can it really get with just whatever? You well, throw I guess back there? what I would go with is like this kind of gets back to the corner two conversation, which I mean I would have made the same point. They're good no matter who goes in there. Why do they get Elam? Probably because they want to stop thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Let's just, fine, this guy's going to fit in and our secondary is going to be complete. It's about whether it's availability or consistency or continuity. If they draft a safety in the first round, which, again, like positional value, I think a receiver's more important. But if they did that, the the easy, okay, I get it. It really is three positions, though, isn't it? I mean, if you want to go defensive end and line, it's D-line, safety, and receiver. I feel like because of the type of tackle they need, which is like the bigger, you know, like eat-up blocks type of guy, that I feel like it's three. I think it's safety, it's edge, and it's it's receiver. Okay. But even right, if you want to include defensive line as a unit, any sure. Any other position leads to shrieks on draft night. You did what? I mean, unless center, yes. do you want to include center here? They've been mocked the Oregon center a handful of times that I've seen. And, you know, Mitch Morris is not, doesn't have a lot left. The problem with drafting... Ryan Bates under contract, too, I by know. the way. Like, they have... I, I don't know how much you should, should I include Bates in this. I don't know if I need to. But the point I... about a center, if they, dra- <laughs> if they draft a center, then this is a team with a cap problem that has a lot of starting jobs available, many on the defense, that would draft a player that would not start. Or, or right. in a perfect world, would displace a starter that is already good. Right. Is he going for Morse? No. Is he going for Osiris Torrance? No. Connor McGovern? No. I want to rule out center just because it's I a pick. want to rule out offensive line. Don't you? Right tackle? What if they drafted a right tackle? Is that Shrieks? Wasn't Spencer Brown? For all they've talked about. He was fine last year. How he wasn't good two years ago because of the back injury. They were... They were justified in yeah. that, right? Like they, they feel vindicated, I'm sure, that, hey, it was the back injury. And then last year he was healthy and, oh, look, he was, he was a lot better. He wasn't amazing, but he was a lot better. So anything on offense that isn't receiver, I think you're getting Shrieks. that reaction. <laughs> I think you have to be getting that reaction. Well, I mean, I guess, could you say, no, linebacker's different. Linebacker's anything not it. but linebacker would, there would be some defense for it. Would someone try to defend it? I'm not going to say that would be me. But if they draft a corner, am I going to hear reasonable defenses for why that was smart? If they draft, I, you know, I, I, I think, I think corner might be a tough sell. Corner is, I mean, I just, I can't get there. I, I, whenever I see corners, the one more than center that is mocked to the Bills, where I just scratch my head and go, what is the reasoning here? They, they're fine. They're even maybe good at that position for. Like for at least two years, right? Like, don't we all think they're going to extend Rasul Douglas? I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be too sure about that. They might do it for a short-term extension to try and save cap space. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, if we talk about the downside of a career and how old a guy is, like extending Douglas, he's he's a little he's the other guy. By the way, I hear a lot of well, he 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 is the perfect type of player and skill set that he can switch to safety right. someday. Which again, kind of gets back to the fact with safety of like look what that position is. That happens a lot. It's happened in the league a lot where I just will put our old corner back there. How about George Wilson? That work. George <laughs> Wilson, right? Like just yeah, throw a guy that's never done it back there. He'll figure it out. Like it, it happens a lot at that position. It doesn't so really happen for many other positions. No, right. Like I guess quarterbacks what's, turn into tight ends. I was gonna say, what's bit, the second most position the second position that is the most switched to? That's a that's a good is safety question. one and second will be like what? Guards going to tackles going to guard, which doesn't even count. Yeah, it doesn't It doesn't count. Quarterbacks going to tight end. How many do that? Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill. Uh, Logan Thomas. Uh, <laughs> Eagles star Tyree Jackson, according yes, to one uh, yes. Philadelphia beat reporter. 803 Hey, a quick note from the NFL. The league tested optical tracking. You know what that is? What does that mean? That would replace the chains. Ooh, are we getting the yellow line? The league tested optical tracking during the Super Bowl for uh-huh. line-to-gain rulings. NFL in, NFL Network insider Tom Pellicero reporting this yesterday. The technology is not expected to be ready to be used this season. It would require a vote from ownership, but the use of a metal chain to determine first downs might not be much longer. Okay. I like that. The cha- I mean, the chains are so archaic. It's amazing. It's really amazing they've made it this far. It's they've amaz- lived it, this long. <laughs> it is amazing they made it this far. I also saw the clip yesterday. Warren Sharp tweeted out like great moments in chain gang history. Uh-huh. And one of those was, and I mean, I, I had forgotten this this happened. NFL only? NFL only. Okay. There's okay. a couple. Like, there's a college one no, that is it, amazing. It, it wasn't NFL only. There's a college one, too, because the chain broke off. Oh, he had, okay. He had one of those. But great moments in chain gang history. Mm-hmm. Warren Sharp had it. There's the clip. It's Cowboys and Raiders, and it's okay. so close that Gene Sterator, the great Gene Sterator, uh-huh. went and got an index card to try to put it between the football and the chain. I mean. And because it touched, did, he then signaled first down. Because it touched. He put an index card. Go it look touched it up. the football or it, it touched the, it touched the chain? It, it indicated that he couldn't get the two, but it couldn't get it in between, so he signaled first down. Check it out. Where did he get an index card? Great question. <laughs> like, you're an NFL referee. You just have him hang <laughs> out in your pocket. Great Someone question. Someone had it, I guess. And the, the, the reaction I had was watching this video. I forgot about this with Gene Steratore and the index card. I thought, this is your God? The guy that's on the broadcast, the guy that I can't get away from for five minutes, uh-huh. he's the index card guy. Man, I very often will watch a game, and when it's a very close measurement, like it's a fourth and Allen against the Dolphins, where it's like a QB sneak and like he just jumps forward, I'll watch the linesmen like that are coming in to mark the ball just to see how straight they're running. And so often... They will move left or right to get around people and then just guess at getting back to where they thought they were. Which, of course, can be off by like three, four inches very easily. And that's how we've been measuring things. Like, Let's see. How we've been measuring things is how good is this 50-year-old man or woman at running 25 yards from the sideline in a straight line? Because, again, they could be they could move two inches to the right as they're running down yep. to mark the ball, 
and that two inches could be the could be the reason why it's not a first down. And that's how we've been still been doing things. Well, that's why. Well, I hope that passes. Well, here's the thing: you still have that because you don't have a chip in the ball. You're still mar- they're not putting a chip in the ball. Uh, this tra- don't they have to be if they're if they're going to be like. Well, are you, are you saying they're going to have a laser that like goes across the field? I think that's more likely. They're talking about tracking and spotting. I don't see anything about the, a, a chip or an exoskeleton of chips in the ball. All I see from Tom, Tom Palacero, it's a skeleton. The Skeletrack system, high-res cameras along the goal line, sideline, end lines, smartwatches with haptics to support officials who could also be vetted, could be utilized this upcoming season. What that sounds like to me, like what I would love to have on the broadcast, this could replace Gene Steratore, by the way, uh, in certain moments, well, is, now, now when, I'm interested. is when you get in tennis the challenge and you get that 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 video graphic or yep, whatever. hits the line. That it, just vis- it takes two seconds and it shows you. Or the the VAR like not not only for VAR I'm talking like the goal line stuff technology that they have in soccer yeah where they'll it's, show like again it'll be like a graphic or it'll be like a visualization and they'll show the ball and they could zoom in as far as they want like okay is this there and it takes two seconds to figure out and in soccer what it does the official also has a watch it buzzes the watch if the ball goes over the line yeah. zzz, but didn't, didn't, did you just say watches for yes, in yes. the Pelissero thing haptic watch is part of the replay system in the future so i'm in moving forward in the nfl and the chain gang might be uh we might hey, not be long for the, the chain the more gang. technology you get on this stuff the less you're going to be hearing from the rules analysts guessing at what they're going to call right don't threaten I me think. With, don't threaten me with a good time paul hamilton when we return sabers win in tampa get two points tampa gets a point uh, next up, home game tomorrow night, and perhaps Jack Eichel returns to the lineup for Vegas. He's been out since January 11th. Jeremy and Joe and Paul next on WGR. Entry down by Cousins on the left side, and then Alex Tuck overskates a pass, and it's back out to center ice. Quickly ahead to Tage Thompson. Thompson fires a shot, scores! Tie game, 2-2 as Tage Thompson let it rip. With 8.27 to go here in the third period, it's a power play goal. Moments of the game, brought to you by Firth Jewelers. For all the moments in your life, go forth to Firth. Sabres win. Hear that voice that the noise Rob made on the call there? Yes. Like, huh. Not heard that a lot with Tage goals this year compared to last year's. Yeah, I would say the we mentioned earlier Labushkin getting traded and the Labushkin game. If we can call it the Labushkin game, it's, it's the Labushkin game. Sure, last year he scores in Tampa mm-hmm. on a breakaway in overtime. Mm-hmm. That game, Tage was a monster in that game, mm-hmm. and the Sabers had highlight real goals. It was it was you know last year they won more games six to five than they do this this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, it's a great one. Waiting on Paul Hamilton, who's going to join us in just a moment. Sabres win. We can uh, check the NHL standings, brought to you by Tall Chief Cigars. Stand tall with Native Pride and Tall, Native Pride and tall Chief Cigars. The Sabres pick up the two points. Uh, Tampa does get a point in the process as well, and Detroit lost, so they are not out of it. The The way to look at it, Joe, if you want to do the math, the, the eight spot looks like it's going to be 92.5 to 93 points. So to get the so Sabres, I guess then it's really not different than last year. Not that, much. Last year was ninety one. 
Yeah. 92. So. so 93. The Sabres would need 33 points in their last 22 games. 33 points. Huh? 33 points. Okay. So they'd have to go... So just think of it that way. Your, yeah. your magic number, 33. you got to get 33 points. Play Vegas tomorrow. If you get two, 31. If you drop two points, your ability to get 33 points... And when are they mathematically eliminated? Not for a while. It's like fifteen, four, and three. For for example, right? They wouldn't be mathematically eliminated maybe until like a couple weeks to go. Oh, if, it, maybe if they don't maybe, make maybe, up. Yeah, right, ground. right. Eight hundred three hundred five fifty to the Western Hotline. Paul Hamilton joins us talking about last night's Sabers game. The Sabers beat Tampa in overtime. Paul's appearance brought to you by Relax Honda. Relax, we got this. Hey, Paul. Hey, morning, guys. How are you? All right, that game was, uh, you know, good for the Sabers to win. They, I don't know, Paul, was it the most inspired effort? What, what, what's your takeaway from it? Just hey, whatever, get the points, right? Yeah, both teams just seemed really out of sync for a lot of that game. It was like both teams had grenades on their stick or something. They uh, just, uh, it was very choppy type of a game. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of it was in the neutral zone. The passing wasn't real good. Uh, they just, you know, seemed to be off uh, a little bit, uh, and it wasn't just the Sabers. I thought both teams were off, and the shots kind of indicated that as as we went along. And in the third period, I think it got a little bit better yeah. uh, as the third period went on. But for the first forty minutes, that that just seemed to be like a game that was out of sync. You know, the whole game, Paul. You mentioned they felt like they were out of sync. In the third period, they shortened their lines. Granado put a couple guys just like stapled to the bench. Krebs was on the bench. Um, I think Gergensen, Oposo. Yeah. Like they, they shortened the bench to try and get their big guns out there, and I guess that ultimately paid off. Yeah, Skinner also, he was, wasn't there. Mm-hmm. I, the Krebs was the one that really puzzled me. I, I thought Krebs was probably their best player or one of their best players. Um, that was the one I didn't understand. Um, why he was the one that was stable to the bench. Uh, the other two I got, I didn't get Krebs. I, I, I don't, I, I thought about it, you know, later as we were uh, coming home too, and I, I just, I, I, I don't know what he saw that I, I totally missed, but I totally missed what he was seeing there. Mm-hmm. I, I guess just, like, I don't, I'm just trying to figure that out too, Paul. Like, I'm just as bewildered as anyone. Because I thought he was having a great game. He had played well, I thought, the last week or so with the his new line mates with Benson and Paterka. And I was already a little like, okay, well, the, he's going back down on the fourth line or back down with more of a checking line, I should say. I, I guess, is he just a pro, is it just a product, Paul, of they have three other centermen that they like and have status, and it's going to be hard for anybody that plays center with those three still on the team to earn ice time? Well, he said it was a matchup thing as far as starting the game uh, the way they did. Um, he, he he almost made it sound like it was a one-and-done one type of a, a scenario mm-hmm. there. Um, so, But still, I, I, I agree with you. I, I thought, you know, he had probably been one of their best players i mean thompson i think has been their best player recently but i think other than the first game when that line was together i thought that line every time they're in the offensive zone most of the night uh you know we're creating chances doing well and and i liked what i saw from that line so i was equally surprised when i saw you know 
to even start the game. Now, if you felt because of match matchups that you wanted to do that, that's fine. I still think it was because of Casey Middlestat, who was you know, was in a huge slump. I mean, he he uh, had kind of fallen off the map as far as points and that type of thing. And you know, Cousins I thought was doing really well on that line, but I didn't think Middlestat was. And my takeaway was when I saw it happen was, all right, they're doing this to get Middlestat going. You know, mm-hmm. they they they're trying to flip things around a little bit to try to get him going and. It was interesting. Uh, he didn't like. I don't think he liked Skinner that whole game, and I don't disagree with that. Yeah. Um, because he he flipped that line in the first period, put Greenway on the line, and they scored their first shift together. That was when Tuck scored, and uh, they they kept that going. So uh, it it just wasn't Skinner's night, as far as I was concerned. Paul Hamilton joining us. Here as we chat about last night's Sabres game. Paul, there's also, of course, the bigger picture. And Lance Lasowski had a report from Kyle Oposo. I saw a quote that he and he said that he and Kevin Adams are on the same page, right? Like Adams is dealing with the deadline, and here's Oposo saying he would leave it at that. Would should you, should we interpret anything from that? My, my immediate knee jerk would be to say he's he's made it clear he'd like to go somewhere and compete before he's done playing hockey. That would be my I just, guess. I just took it as it's none of your business. Okay, <laughs> really, um, you you could be totally right, uh, but I didn't. I I don't think there was any clue with what he said. I just think he felt uh, that's that's between me and Kevin. We've we've had a discussion now. Johnson hadn't had it as of uh, when we Monday. I think it would have been when I talked to him about it. He had not had a conversation with Adams yet. Because the way he put it was, you know, when the time comes, we'll have the conversation. And, you know, if if he thinks it's best for the team that I move on, uh, then that's what I'll do. Um, but um, so it sounds like Kevin – well, Kevin and – obviously Kevin and Oposo have had the conversation. But whatever uh, all he's going to say is they're on the same page, uh, whether – you know, he wants to stay and, and finish the year here, or does he want an opportunity to make the playoffs and have one last kick at the can at a Stanley Cup? Do you have an idea on, like, his? would his value be any different, you think, Paul, than other veteran token pieces that kind of get passed around at the deadline? Like, if Eric Johnson gets traded, I think are we kind of expecting, like, a late-round pick. Like, would a Poso have any chance of being different because of, I don't know, like, anything? Like, he's been scoring more goals this year, I know. Um, or do you think he might be similar in that you shouldn't be expecting anything in consequence? I would say anywhere from a fifth to seventh round pick for any of those guys, whether it's Gergensen, Johnson, Oposo. Um, I mean, Gergensen also is on a, a pace that would get him double-figure goals. I mean, and, you know, Oposo's already there, but um, for the most part, I mean, Gergensen's did kill some penalties last game, but his penalty killing, I don't think, has been very good. I was talking to another media member about this yesterday, and uh, we both agreed. I, I, I don't think this, he's been as near as effective a penalty killer, and he hasn't been doing as much of it either because of it uh, for the, for last season and this season. And I think if if you're trading for him, you know, for a playoff run or something like that, I think you need a penalty killer, uh, you know, a good mm-hmm. penalty killer. 
uh, Saturday, Sunday, Paul, this this weekend, um, there's another stretch or back-to-back coming up soon, too, but this weekend, Saturday, Sunday, it's their first back-to-back in over a month. So I think we'd all obviously expect at least one of those to be Lukanen. How would you set the odds for who might get that second game? Could it be... Would it have to be Comrie? Could it be Lukanen back-to-back? Levi? Like, how many different things do you think they could actually uh, do for who starts that other game? I was listening to Marty do do his show, uh, and he he had commented, he he basically just said, you know, well, that's he he thinks Levi, when they need a goaltender, would be called up. I would not do that. I I would absolutely I would have told Levi that Rochester is your team right now and do what you can do. Get them to the playoffs to put them on a playoff run. Uh you know, it's your team, you know, run with it type of a thing. So, uh definitely for me it would be Comrie even if there's an injury, I still don't think I would bring him up. Unless you really had gotten yourself back in the playoff race somehow, um, but uh, so so I would go with uh, Lucan in the first game and Comrie in the second because the second game is Winnipeg and Comrie uh, you know has played well against Winnipeg since you know leaving there you know since he was a Saber so he's done pretty well against them so and and also I think he can monitor it too. You can look at it and uh, see how how much work did Lukanen get against Vegas? Uh, mm-hmm. Did he did he have a lot of shots? Was it a tough game, or could he play both? Because mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to play both back to backs this week. I think maybe he might have one of them in him, where he could do one of them. But I, you know, you got a back to back Saturday, Sunday, then you got one in the middle of the week too. Uh, so I don't think he could do both, especially Toronto. Customs, Nashville type of a back to back. So, the home one, yeah, maybe maybe they would let him play both. But the the, the Toronto to Nashville one with Customs in the middle, I I I just don't see that one goaltender playing both those games. Paul Hamilton joining us, recapping last night's Sabres game. Next up, Vegas tomorrow. Any uh, intrigue there, Paul? What do you think? Well, Jack Reichel might return from his knee injury. I mean, he doesn't have the non-contact jersey on anymore, so it, it might it might be a good possibility that he'll make his return, you yeah. know, from injury in that game. And you might remember last time he showed up in Buffalo, um, mm-hmm. I think he had three goals. Did he? Did he mix in a few assists there too, or? I, as I'm trying to remember, but he at least had three goals yeah. and really, really enjoyed sticking it to the fans in their face uh, because first time he came back, he got booed uh, unmercifully and he didn't play very well, and then he went after the fans yeah. after the game. But uh, Eichel, in the second time back, he got the last laugh. Call that Eye on the Blue and Gold, brought to you by Great Lakes Building Systems. We keep an eye on your business so you don't have to. Great Lakes Building Systems, our business is protecting your business. Eye on tomorrow's game with Vegas. Thanks, Paul. No problem, guys. Take care. Joe has some uh, trivia from mm-hmm. what I understand coming up. Trivia giveaways. Sal from uh, uh, for an update on Indianapolis and the Combine. Wide receivers speak today. Defensive backs test today. Mystery guest and the return of a monstrously popular segment in the 9 o'clock hour. Stay tuned for that. Jeremy and Joe on WGR. 
You call her five to win a pair of tickets to the men's college basketball tournament watch party at Seneca Resort and Casino Thursday, March 21st or Sunday, March 24th. This open court ticket includes unlimited access to the fantastic buffet, five hours of tournament viewing, high-speed internet, and a cash bar. First come, first serve seating. Must be 21 or older to win. Visit SenecaNiagaraCasino.com for details. We have instant trivia. Instant trivia, which is presented by the Farmer's Dog. Fresh human-grade dog food delivered right to your door. Jack Eichel might play tomorrow. He'll at least be with the team. So returns to Buffalo tomorrow. The last time he returned to Buffalo, he scored a hat trick. During the drought, there have been five players to play for the Sabres and also score a hat trick against them. Wow. Eichel is one of the five. Can you name the other four? Okay, so also the, kind of amazing that there are five. Played for them played for them during the drought. Okay. And scored a hat trick against the Sabres. Alright. Uh boy. I sh- one of these I will tell you, one other one happened last year. Did O'Reilly score three against the Sabres? He did for Toronto. Three goals. He scored two in the first five minutes. And that was not a fun game to be at. Unless you like you know, if you're a sicko Saber fan, just like the Leafs you going like the, nuts for the, the punishment justice. Just, it, I was laughing. I won't say that. I sure. will. I will accept did that. Kane? Kane did not. Kane had a two goal game, but not a hat trick. Trying to think of the earlier stages of it. Like, did Vanek ever have a three goal game against Sabres? I don't think so. Nope. Pominville? Nope. That's a good guess too. There's um, I would say one of the remaining three played multiple seasons for them. The other two are more like, oh yeah. He played for them. There's no way a defenseman did this, right? No. Okay. Evan Rodriguez? No. Think Vanek Pominville teams. From the Sabres drought? Yeah. Drew Stafford? No. No, you're... Derek Roy? No, you're on the right track. Little after. Tyler Ennis? Yes. Ennis had a hat trick against the Sabres. In 2022 for Ottawa. Recently, he yeah. did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, one other that you're going to go, oh, yeah, he was a Sabre. And the other one is on the team right now. On the Sabres? Yes. There is a Sabre on the team right now that has scored a hat trick against them. During a Poso? Poso? Nope. <laughs> Talk? Nope. Not Eric, not Eric Robinson. Eric Robinson what? is correct. He has scored. He has a hat trick against the Buffalo Sabers. <laughs> when? And then the last one. This came in 2013, and it's the most mad I've ever been that the Sabers have actually this jersey exists. It makes me mad. Makes you mad that the jersey exists. Yeah, I can't, I, I, him him ever being on the Sabers okay. makes me want to puke. Give me that bowl so I can puke in it. Now I know it's Eric Stahl. Eric Stahl. Eichel, Robinson, O'Reilly, Ennis, and Stahl. Eric Robinson. So five <laughs> Sabres. Did, five guys. So there were Sabres during the drought, scored a hat trick against the Sabres during the drought. Yes. You find some good stuff, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sicko trivia. That's some good stuff. That's really what it should be called. All right. got to guess the Vegas hot dog later. We'll check in with Sal. It's a day to hear receivers talk about what it might be like to be a member of the Bills. They test tomorrow. But the story yesterday was about safeties, defensive backs, and we'll get to sell on that his piece about what kind of player the Bills look for in that department. 
coming up on WGR. It's Sal Capaccio. 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 On WGR. Sal Capaccio joining us. He's, of course, been covering the Combine and coverage of the NFL Combine here on WGR. Is brought to you by Awaken 180 Weight Loss. Fast, sustainable weight loss. Then free support for life. Awaken180weightloss.com. And by Outlet Liquor, when you need to stock up, it's the place to buy a case. What's your outlet? Sal, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? We're good. We're good. Safety. Sun's out. Yeah, sun's out. It's uh, the temperatures are back on the rise, yeah. going to the fifties. Yeah, what the heck? Six. We had the same situation in Indy as you guys did here in Buffalo, and I'm back now. But it's nice today. But I will tell you that, like in Indy, when I got there, it was seventy one degrees, and then for like a day and a half, it was great, and then it plummeted, and it was like yeah. twenty four degrees walking over to the convention center from my hotel. Good, it's only fair, given you would have you would have missed the the last like freezing cold week that we have here. <laughs> Milwaukee went from seventy four yeah. to sixteen. That's insane. In one day. Crazy. Yeah, this this weather yeah. system. All right, Celso, you're back from Indy. Welcome back. Good to have you back. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a piece up on our website. You had all the safeties, defensive backs yesterday. You know, the way the combine is laid out, they talk and then they work out. But you get a chance to, you know, see what these guys want to say, what makes them tick. And your piece up mm-hmm. at our website about starting safety, which is something, you know, the Bills have not had to invest anything really big in safety for quite some time. This might, of course, be the year to do it. So what did you learn from Brandon Bean about how the Bills look at this? Because it's a position that we're kind of in the dark on, given how steady they've been with Hyde and Poyer for so long. Isn't that funny, guys? We have no kind of book on the Bills on what they wanted, what they look for in a safety when they draft, other than guys who can play special teams like Damar Hamlin, right? Um, guys they bring in undrafted free agents like Cam Lewis. Now, they did have Taylor Rapp last year. That was a late in free agency ad. It was a nice player to have, and he does kind of fit the profile of what Brandon Bean said. So you're right, Jeremy, seven years as Bill's GM. And let's remember, Bean did not sign Hyde and Poyer. He was hired after they were signed by Sean McDermott and, you know, at that time, Doug Whaley's staff. But So he's never had to do this. Seven years, he's never had to find a starting safety. And the reality is the Bills may need two starting safeties. Now, Jordan Poyer is under contract for next year, and I don't know if the Bills are going to stick with him or move on from him. They can save quite a bit of money by moving on, but they might – feel that, hey, you know, play, playing him in the box and that, that nickel roll and keep him at safety, not that he would just transition to that full-time, but maybe they keep him. But either way, it is a reality here that I think is upon us that they're going to have to find at least one starting safety. Maybe Micah Hyde retires. That being said, Brandon Bean talked about the kind of player that they look for at that position, and he said, if you're going to give me a 4-4 or 4-5 guy but doesn't have the ball instincts, no, I'd rather have the 4-6 guy that has the instincts. And it's interesting to me, he brought up a former player. Kurt Coleman, of all people. And you know what's interesting about it? So did Sean McDermott. So Sean McDermott mentions Kurt Coleman when he's talking to us. Brandon Bean mentions Kurt Coleman when he's talking to us. And I'm thinking, are they like in a meeting going, you know what we need? We need a guy like Kurt Coleman, (laughs) right? You know what I mean? That's probably on the top of their mind. And what he means is, Kurt Coleman was not the fastest, not the biggest, not the strongest, but he had nine interceptions when he played for Carolina one year. He comes to Buffalo, helps them out, you know, during the early couple seasons with the Bills. Look at Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. I went back and looked, guys. Both Hyde and Poyer were in the same draft at the Combine that year. Both ran 
five uh, mid four fives. They were not the the most lightning fast guys in the world. We know they're not the biggest. You think about the play that Micah Hyde made against the uh, Mac Jones and the Patriots a few years ago. That's range. That's not because of straight speed. We know that, right? Like that's the kind of guy they're looking for. And the good news is. I think those are the kinds of guys that you can get later in the draft or not spend a ton on in free agency. So when we're thinking about how they're going to attack this position, I don't think the Bills are going to invest huge resources into the safety position as far as draft capital, as far as money. But I do think it's an area that they want to improve on and make sure they get the right fit. Yeah, you know, as you laid that all out, it's kind of like Joe and I had a conversation about how often guys switch to safety. It's not that unusual. You get these calls all the time about could so-and-so switch to safety. And it, it... almost always happens when either the athleticism isn't there to play corner or it's a corner on the downside, maybe getting a few years. And I wonder, yourself what you're basically laying out is that with this Bills defense, the position is such a cerebral processing position that that's yes. in fact what, that they, what it is that they think it is for them too. It's not only that. This is what – look, at. I mean – I, could could someday, like, to prolong his career, could they move a Tredavious White to safety? Sure. I I just think it's it's not even worth talking about at this point because you're right, Jeremy. It's about range, and it's about – what did he say about Kirk Coleman? A dog mentality. These are guys that hit. These are guys that go straight line. They tackle. They have to have all these different – and you have to be able to do that, do multiple things, think on the fly, cerebral. You have to understand all the zone concepts You know they put in. You know, think about even at corner with Kyer Elam. When people talk about move Kyer Elam to safety, he struggles in zone at corner. Like, what? It's safety to play zone in the Bills' defense at safety the way that they play it. Like, that is a think about all the different things Hyde and Poyer have to do. So, I don't think anybody now we know Benford can do it a little bit, and they've talked about that. But I just think that he was so good at corner last year. That's where he's going to stay. I don't think anybody's moving to safety on the Bills roster. I think they're going to find new safeties. That might be me bringing back Taylor Rapp. And I still say I think Cam Lewis can. He he he's a guy that we should think about starting. Now maybe that doesn't excite people. I get it. And I think Cam Lewis is great in his role as a backup nickel and backup safety, and just putting him on the field whenever you have to in certain situations. But I think they're comfortable with Cam Lewis. And think about Cam Lewis. He's smaller than Poyer and Hyde, but he's super physical. And he understands the defense. Yeah. he He's an example to me, Sal. Yeah, Lewis is 5'9". I don't think I ever realized he was that small. Mm-hmm. Um, Lewis and Hamlin started almost a full season because Hyde was out. And Jaquan Johnson played some. Um, Rap, of course. Poyer had to move down to linebacker sometimes. Like In the last two years, like part of the reason I don't love the idea of investing a lot in safety is they've kind of been dealing with you know, uh, troubles mm-hmm. back there, and they've still managed to put out good defenses despite that. I agree with you, and it's interesting that Sean also brought up when talking about the offense, how defenses are now playing a lot more split safety looks, how they're playing a lot more of the, you know, we're going to force you underneath, and I, I think that's the Bills too, right? The Bills play a lot of too high, but they'll go one high once uh, once in a while for sure. But if you're going too high and you only have to cover half the field, you know, you're not talking about this guy that's going to go sideline to sideline, super flashy, rangy. That's why when that happened, Joe, you're talking about they were comfortable with Lewis. They were comfortable with Hamlin. And look, I mean, it wasn't ideal. We know that DeMar Hamlin's not a starting safety in this league. I understand that. And it can hurt you. It did hurt them against Miami that year when they had to play down there and they gave up that long pass early uh, late you know in the the third and long and they gave that up. They gave one up in the playoff game when those guys were playing. So that can hurt you for sure. But I think the Bills concentrate more on all of the other things that get baked in rather than the oh my god, this guy's super big, this guy's super fast. They don't look 
excuse me, what's funny is, what's interesting, we talked about this the other day, Jeremy. The Bills love traits, right? They love traits. They love guys super athletic. This is one position where they don't go for traits. This is a position where they go for smarts and savviness and toughness and range. We've heard that they've met with a lot of them. All the safeties that got up there yesterday, pretty much everyone's like, oh, yeah, met with the Bills. So not exactly a surprise there, Sal. You've got a piece up, again, at our website about safety and also state of the position linebacker mixed in here as well. It's not a position we're really considering too uh, regularly. Of course, you could never rule it out. We know that they have their, their draft board and how things go. So uh, state of linebacker position, is it what, something to address maybe the depth of later on? And overall, it feels... It's funny, it feels a lot stronger than it did probably this, uh-huh. this time last year when it was maybe one of the biggest questions. Yeah, the way I start the article is what a difference a year makes. You guys remember last year when we kind of knew that Tremaine Edmonds was on his way out? Who? What? It was Jack Campbell season last year during the Combine, mm-hmm. guys. It was Jack Campbell season. They need this guy. They got to plug him in. He's the perfect middle linebacker. Put him next, next to Matt Milano. Well, that didn't happen. Tremaine Edmonds leaves. Now it's like, well, we're going to have... Terrell Bernard, Tyrell Dodson, they draft Dorian Williams. These guys are Bill Inspector. They're all going to fight for the middle linebacker job, and fans are up in arms. Are you kidding me? They have no middle linebacker. What's going to happen? And then let's fast forward even more. Terrell Bernard is pretty much, he gets hurt, but then he's named the starting linebacker. How many times, Joe, Jeremy, how many times did we get phone calls, people on social media, just really upset that the Bills' middle linebacker was as small as um, Taron Johnson, essentially, right? Like, how this is ridiculous. Well, guess what? Terrell Bernard was pretty damn good. And I think this is actually one of the strongest units on the team. I think outside of Josh Allen at quarterback, obviously, I think the two most stable positions on the Bills roster right now, I guess you could argue tight end too, but offensive line and linebacker are very stable. Very stable as far as who's under contract, the starters. Offensive line has one, one pending unrestricted free agent. Linebacker has two, but no starters. And maybe, and and Tyrell Dodson is one, and he's a really nice player to have. But think about it. You're going to get a healthy Matt Milano back coming off a broken leg. No issue there. He's got no torn ligaments, broken leg, and his body didn't take 15 games. Well, I guess it would be 12 games worth of getting beaten up. You're going to put him next to Terrell Bernard, and then behind them, you're going to have Dorian Williams going into his third year. You're going to have Bale Inspector, who started against the Steelers and looked good until he was hurt in that game, by the way, in the playoffs. And then you'll try to figure it out after that if you can get Tyrell Dodson back or not. I'm not really sure. I'm... I'm really excited about this linebacker group. I think they have starters, and I think they have depth. And the best part about the starters, guys, they're locked up for multiple years, Milano mm-hmm. and Bernard. Not even going into a contract year, either of them. Or even Williams and Spector. Like, all four of your top four linebackers right now, as it stands, are all locked up for multiple years. I wonder if it even comes down to money for Dodson sale. Do you think he, do you think he did enough this season? I think to kind of get enough attention around the league where someone would you think someone would be willing to offer him a starting role? I do. I think Tyrell Dodson worked his way into a spot where exactly as you said, Joe, somebody's going to look and go, I, this guy can start for us because the, the beauty of Tyrell Dodson is he can play like a lot of the Bills linebackers, what they like. He has position flexibility. Bernard has it, right? Um, you know, Dorian Williams did a little bit of both. Bale and Spe- they all do. I mean, Milano could, I guess, play middle. He, never, he doesn't. It's not something you're going to do. But um, the Bills love position flexibility. He showed that. Remember, for the last few four years, Tyrell Dotson has actually started at middle linebacker. He's actually started at will linebacker. He played well for the team last year after a couple early on struggles when he filled in when Milano was hurt. And I would say good for Tyrell Dotson because he's actually, he's even different than most guys going into unrestricted free agency guys. 
he was an exclusive rights-free agent a couple times. So literally, he's been playing on the minimum salary for the last few years. And and if he can go out there and get paid and, and get a starting job, I, I say good for Tyrell Dotson. He's earned that for what he's been able to do. Sal Capaccio joining us as we recap his time at the Combine. Receivers speak today. They test tomorrow. You know, Sal, as you wrap up the week's thoughts on this, I mean, the Combine doesn't wrap. Of course, it goes through the weekend. Any, any takeaways, anything you should <clears throat> come out thinking about the Bills going in that you don't anymore or vice versa? You know, just like, you know, yeah. you're, you're around everybody. Everybody gets a chance to talk about what their approach might be, how things might go. We learned about the, the cap being inflated and maybe a little more flexibility there. So what, what's your overall takeaway coming out of the week? So, and I've said this a couple times on the air, and, 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 I, and I, I want to maintain this, that I really believe after listening to Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott and you know just talking around, the Bills feel much better about their cap situation internally than we make it out to be externally, if that makes sense. And in fact, Matt Bove and I, we did an Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast. We did like three of them while we were out there, by the way. Go check it out. Um, and Matt talked to Brandon Bean in one of his you know side interviews. And I'll share this because Matt did, and you know it wasn't like off the record. Matt said to Brandon Bean, this is interesting, he said, if you could say your salary cap situation is from a 1 to 10, 1 being horrible, 10 being amazing, what would you say? You guys want to predict what he said? Brandon Bean? Matt asked him that. 1 is horrible, 10 is amazing, your salary cap situation. What do you think Brandon Bean said to Matt? I would say somewhere in the middle. 1's horrible? I'd say, I'd say it's like a 3. Brandon Bean said it's definitely not a 1, it's definitely not a 10, maybe around a five somewhere in the middle. And he almost gave an indication, and Matt would have to expand a little bit how he explained it to him. I got the feeling he was saying it might be even like a five or even six or something like that. Think about that for a second, yeah, what we've been bad. making out. So right, so so I think the Bills feel much better about where they are than what we make it out to be. And I now I'm starting to think, okay, well, what does that mean? Who can you go and shop for that maybe – I, I we talk Jeremy your wide receiver train and I'm all in on you with it that that's fine. I just think the conversation is going to change after free agency. I, I I don't know who it's going to be and I'm not saying they're going to go with Michael Pittman Jr. or T Higgins. I'm not saying that or Justin Jefferson. What I'm saying though is they may be able to fill out that area a little bit better than what we thought or attack it in a different way than we thought. Maybe like a Hollywood Brown. Right. You know, the guy I was talking about yesterday, I talked with Chris Emma from our sister station in uh, Chicago, uh, The Score. Car- uh, Darnell Mooney seems to be a guy. Darnell Mooney's a good idea. People- yeah. Yeah. yeah, and 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 he he really turned me on to the idea. He's like, look, he's he's a good player, like, and he deserves to go somewhere and have a little better opportunity. And I just got my wheels thinking about him. There's some guys out there I think that you can, you know, think about. I like Curtis Samuel, right? I think Curtis Samuel would fit in this offense real well. You talk about Hollywood Brown. I I just feel that when we talk about wide receivers, we talk about the draft. Let's not forget, free agency is a month and a half before the draft to do something, and they'll do something. Right, Sal. Like depending yes. on how big, like maybe not as big as Mooney or Brown, um, but they'll do something. Right? They're not like we know they'll do something defensive line, right? Just because they don't have bodies. And should we assume there'll be some level of receiver move, even if it's something smaller? Oh, for sure. I mean, you just look at the numbers and the pure you know volume of guys they have under contract and who they are, and they have to fill out the roster. Yeah, they have you know Khalil Shakir under contract, and obviously Stefan Diggs, and then you have guys you know below them, Justin Shorter's coming back after his year on IR. But how about Gabe Davis and what his situation is? First of all, that has to be ironed out. I don't think anybody's sitting here thinking he's necessarily coming back to Buffalo, but until he actually goes, I mean, you 
you know, you don't know. You don't know what's going to happen there. And then, you know, you have Trent Sherfield, who's going to be an unrestricted free agent. I wouldn't be surprised if they bring Trent Sherfield back. You can get him for a minimum deal. He talked in locker cleanout day about, you know, even though he was frustrated with his role, he knows every year is different, and it, you don't. It's not always better somewhere else, and he'd be willing to come back. I don't know what they do with Deontay Hardy in his contract. He is under contract, but you might have to adjust that in some way if they don't outright move on from him. Uh, I'm not really positive about that, but Joe, I think so. You have to address it in some way. They're going to do D line. Um, I wonder if they can get Daquan Jones, you know, back before the start of free agency. I was looking at his contract. You guys know what the Bills signed Daquan Jones for two years ago? Do you remember? Uh, not much, right? Like five, five-ish million would be my guess without having Seven. it in front of me. Okay. Seven. Two years, $14 million. So, I don't know. I mean, if you need to climb that high, can you really do it? I don't even know if he would get that much at his age. Um, you know, he's 32. He had the pec injury. He came back. But, Joe, I think that what you just said about five-ish might be where they have to land on this one if they want to get something done. All right. Very good. Sal Capaccio recapping Indy. Thank you, Sal. All right, guys. I will uh, see you in a little while. Yeah. Sal's report from Indianapolis and complete coverage of the Combine brought to you by Awaken 180 Weight Loss, fast, sustainable weight loss, then free support for life, awaken180weightloss.com, and by Outlet Liquor when you need to stock up. It's the place to buy a case. What's your outlet? You can join us at 803-0550 and 1-888-550-2550. The, uh, I got a, you want to play a fun game next? Let's do, let's do that. Sure. All right. I got a thought on the Bills at backup quarterback, too, at okay. some point, because this Lance signing is making me connect dots that I think are there for the Bills. So we'll play that. We'll do that. And the game is just going to be something I found in my travels that will lead to a trivia question where we make fun of the Patriots. Sound like a good idea? Perfect. Love, love Right? That. Who doesn't want to do oh, that on a Friday? Sure. We're just going to have fun at the Patriots' expense. Why not? Jeremy and Joe on WGR. I think that Keon Coleman, who has been a popular target for the Buffalo Bills in mock yep, drafts, yep. is an absolute star prospect. I think he's absolutely terrific. I love everything about his makeup. I think he's a heck of a football player. His 40 time this upcoming week is going to define the range for him. If he runs 4-4-2 or something like that, that's like lock him into the top 15. If he runs 4-4-8, that might mean, hey, he's a top 25 pick, no questions okay. about it. If you run 4-5-8, then I think people say to yourself, like, historically, how many players at a 4-5-8 have been taken in the first round at wide receiver? So he's an example of a guy that I might still throw the number out because I think the player is so darn good. But those are the kind of numbers that I think matter most. Field Yates with Chris Brown and Matty Gleb on One Bills Live talking about Keon Coleman. All right, we're getting heavy wide receiver vibes. This, uh, If you're in for it, like now's the time. Yep. Now's the time. Troy Franklin confirmed meeting with the Bills. We'll get you what he had to say about that meeting in just a moment. Stay tuned for that. That's Field Yates on Keon Coleman, who is a polarizing prospect. And they're looking for Marvin Harrison. Yeah. That just... They're just not there, I guess. He's he, it, he. It's like leaving the reality show. Like I've already found what I need. What I need to get out of this. He met with the Bills and he loves them so much. He just. It's it. I don't want to talk he to any other. He needs to figure out how to tank his own dra- dra- draft status as much as humanly possible. Step one: skip your combine interview. Yes, the playbook to getting drafted twenty eighth instead of fourth. Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. Throw uh, bowling balls on your general on the general manager's cars. Just start pranking them, one after the other. Bowling balls. Sure. 
I feel like a bowling ball is not a prank. That's 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 that's, uh, that's a crime. Yes. Yeah. No. That's just probably right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, toilet paper is a prank. Yeah, bowling ball, 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 maybe bowling ball through your windshield. Ha ha. <laughs> Take that, Omar Khan. Ha ha. All right. Here we go, Troy Franklin. Let's do it. Troy Franklin on his meeting with the Bills. Watching film and going over what they do offensively and schematically, and what did you take away from that? Um, I think it was more of just break, we were breaking down our film, things like that. Um, so, yeah, we kind of just, they wanted to know what I was thinking on plays, things like that. I think they just were, were picking my brain for sure, you know. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was cool. Did, did I hear you say Joe Brady recruited you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was that like catching up with him again? That was cool, you know. Um, definitely just caught up and, and um yeah, that made that meeting way a little more chiller for me, for sure. Sorry if you touched. I mean, it's a perfect I match. Hit the horn. It's a perfect match. He's in love. Yeah. He's in love. It's perfect. Wow. What Troy Franklin, future Bills receiver Troy Franklin, just talking about how much he wants to be with the Bills. That Joe Brady tidbit. Love that. Where he recruited him. Because what you want is Joe Brady. I mean, to over the value next this four player. months to be telling Bean like. This is the guy, man. Yeah, this is this is the guy. I know him. I, I know him. I recruited him. This he's going to be perfect. In this I didn't offense. get this guy. We got to get this guy. Yeah, one of the six receivers the Bills should draft. Um, maybe, okay, maybe not six. But I did hear. Yeah, who was it yesterday? Somebody yesterday said that the Bill it wouldn't be surprised. The Bills came out with two in the first three rounds or two in the first two rounds, which mm-hmm. you know, man, the, I mean, that's I'm, aggressive. If they did that. I mean, it is party time for the it's, next. I'd be so excited for the next five months if they did that. It's worth Sal last segment talking about how Bean says their cap situation's not nearly as bad. This is not exactly his words, but not as bad. As, yeah, not as bad as people might think it is. Mm-hmm. Like while you were away, Joe, did you see the guy that said the Bills should trade Josh Allen to the Bears for, yes. for two picks to get out of their cap crunch for, for one and nine yeah. or something? Yeah, the, the Bills should do it to get out of their cap crunch. Never mind that that move would cost fifty six million dollars on the cap to do. <laughs> it's a real brain, real brainiac, right. just, you know, yeah. suggestion. Anyway, Sally and out that maybe receiver and free agency could change the board a bit. If they go with a receiver and free agency, that's great. Doesn't change the need for first round receiver. Like, if they sign Darnell Mooney, great. I'm into that. Mm-hmm. Have we made him our wide receiver idea of the day at any point? If not, here I don't it is. think so. Today, though. Boom. I think that's a fine idea. Yes. Good he, speed. He is speed. He is he's, good. Yeah. He's been productive in a bad passing offense, one of the worst passing offenses in league history. Yep. So I'm into Darnell Mooney as an idea. And then, you know, the day that happens, let's say they sign Darnell Mooney in two weeks, don't write to me that I guess the receiver train's done. Absolutely not. They need a young one. They need a young one. They need somebody to, whatever, Just they need to be flush. Yeah. And Mooney as a role player sounds good. Works for me. But they will not have, there will not be any closer to their answer of who's going to replace Diggs in three years. No, that's right. Or or two years. We don't, it could be next year. It could be this year. Whoever it is, you need your next number one in the building ready to go. And there's nobody, right? There's nobody in free agency. That, that that's going to happen with. Maybe they sign a guy that is more expensive and just better than we thought they could get their hands on. Marquise Brown, like he's been a number one in the league yes. for Baltimore and for Arizona. But even even him, like I don't consider him an answer to that question either. He's fine. I feel like I'm a back at John Brown's my number one wide receiver. Like oh, pretty good. He'll get a thousand yards for me. But. I, what you want is 
isn't the end goal to end back up at a point where you have one of the best receivers in football and he's your uh, the, number one receiver at, end, all, at all times? I would say the end goal is to have one of the best receiving cores in football. Mm-hmm. And you really can't do that. Who's the Who has the best receiving core with the worst number one? Who is that? Ooh, okay. Right, is it it's, even possible? Does someone real, have an elite core? If you talk about the teams with the best, yeah. you, you go to Jefferson in Minnesota. They've got two good guys. They've drafted uh, Jordan Addison. Yep. The, the Dolphins, right, with Tyreek Hill. The Bengals with Jamar Chase at the top of the food chain. Right. The Cowboys with C.D. Lamb. The Niners have two guys that are on that upper stretch. Absolutely. Ayuk is a number one. Like You can't claim to have one of the best receiving cores unless you have one of the best number ones. Yeah. Like, was Baltimore a version of this last year? They were good. They, they were, had three they were, guys that were pretty good. They were better, but who would say that was one of the best receiving cores in football? Yeah, no one would say Here's that. Rashad Bateman. Uh, John Harbaugh said it this week. They're going to give him a lot more this year. Like, okay, that's fine. They were improved, but not one of the best. Yeah, maybe Washington. Washington. Terry McLaurin. He's he's not on that, that upper, upper level, right? No, but, that's right. He's pretty good. But that's the best core whose number one is not. Yeah. It's not the same thing about him. Like, if you're ranking number ones, he comes in below a lot of the other number ones. But again, it's tough. And they've invested in that, like right. Samuel was a free agent signing for them, and McLaurin got a big contract, and they spent a first round pick on Dotson. So, and to be fair, maybe they would be seen as a better core, or McLaurin would be better if they had like the quarterback. Like, what would that receiving core look like with Josh Allen? McLaurin might be considered one of the best in That's, football. That might be right. So, okay, Troy Franklin has met with the Bills. We got another one. Hit it, Adnai Mitchell, six three burner, Texas. I like to change my pace and routes. I never run routes full speed. That's just a part of my game that, you know, allows me to run routes for the whole drive. Mostly just feel like I'm in control, you know, when I'm running routes and, you know, with the people I'm going against and things like that. I say I try to modify my game after a lot of guys. It's a lot of guys out there that's doing some really great things. You know, just trying to take every little nugget that I can out of one person game and try to add it to my game. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Well, I mean, how about it? One, he's coachable. And you say, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Mm-hmm. Willing to cheat. Let's go. <laughs> He'll do whatever it takes. Adnai Mitchell, get him in here. Let's go. Sold. He's smitten. He loves the Bills. Nah, he's going to get the Chargers are going to pick him now because they got Harbaugh. Uh, isn't he the guy with all the really bad analytics stuff, though? Uh, like yards per route run, and like there, there are some warning signs with him. I think maybe separation stuff, maybe a little the, bit too. I don't know. The thing I've seen lately on Mitchell is he's a real smooth route runner, and he's okay. getting multiple comparisons to. Sh- I know comparisons are to, to who? Ceedee Lamb. Okay, well I'm back in. Right, his, that, his, that his game <laughs> is like Ceedee Lamb, and it was Brett Coleman that said that among others. Okay, and Brett Coleman's not one to throw out you know crazy comparisons. Let me see who Danny Kelly had him. Danny Kelly of the Ringer on his draft. Uh, he also, I saw, comps. you know, this was uh, the clutch gene type of uh, analysis that he has a touchdown in all four of the college football playoff games that he's played in. At least one touchdown in yeah. each game. Um, I'm trying to find where Ed Opposite Xavier Worthy, by the way. Texas had both guys. Yes. Um, I mean, he... He does a little of everything, just from like the highlights you watch. Like there are good jump up in the air, like extended catch type of plays, and he's getting open down the field too. I, I wonder. He always looks 
a little slower to me, maybe than than some of the other guys. But that doesn't have to be real. So I wonder forty time how important that'll be yeah. for him. Um, I mentioned Brett Coleman said CD Lamb, Danny Kelly of the Ringer on his big board. He did all his comps for the receivers. Yeah, he also has Adnai Mitchell as CD Lamb. Okay, instinctual playmaking, smooth footwork, short area quickness, sure hands. He has confirmed he has met with the Bills at the combine. All right. You had something on backup quarterback, and I have a Patriots game to play that will be very fast and very silly. The backup quarterback thing could be fast, too. I mean, they we mentioned in headlines earlier and earlier that the Cowboys picked up an option on Trey Lance, so he's going to be on their team, or they'll trade him, but his con- now his salary is, like, it's there. His cap it. They could trade him, and it will still cost them the exact $5.3 million on the salary cap. just want to point out, so Trey Lance, either way, whether he's on the team or not, he's going to cost the Cowboys $5.3 million on their salary cap this season. And it was reported that the Bills wanted Trey Lance. Diana Rossini, who I think at the time maybe was ESPN, either way, Diana Rossini plugged it in the league. She tweeted and reported in August that the Bills and the Ravens were two teams that had conversations with San Francisco about a trade for Trey Lance. Most of those early discussions about a trade involved a six-round pick. Dallas gave him a fifth. Cam Inman, who is a beat reporter for the Niners for the San Jose Mercury, reported that the Niners traded Lance to the Cowboys after they made a better offer than the Bills, according to a team source. Yeah, So they were in. So the Bills were in on Lance, which shouldn't I take that to mean that they had well, they, they thought we can spend $5.3 million on a backup quarterback for next season. Yeah. So if they like a guy enough, maybe there isn't another one out there they'll like enough, but I think we can figure out from that that if they like a guy enough, they're willing to spend $5 million on a backup quarterback, which kind of gets you in the game for almost anybody. Yeah, for guys that have played. Yeah. Not like Kyle Allen level. Tyrod, for instance, his $3 million at spot track doesn't yeah. have to come out that way. Brissettes of the world. Just throw that out there. Backup quarterback, and this could say about the Bills cap situation. Maybe it's not as bad as we thought because they thought they could afford a $5 million backup. Before the break, one more time, ring the bell. Keon Coleman has met with the Bills and said it went really well. Josh Reed tweeting that moments ago. He, it's uh, Keon Coleman. Find me a receiver that didn't meet with the Bills. I dare you. Yeah. I don't know if I want Keon Coleman, though. would have liked him to not be the one. If they meet with all of them, though. So far, it's, it's awesome. on every single one of them. Like, I'm waiting for a guy to say no. Yeah. Marvin Harrison Jr. hasn't met with them, but that's because he might be meeting with them right now still. Who knows what he's doing? He's He, he no-showed his presser. Maybe there's an, an explanation. We'll see. He's on we'll a get, train. We'll get, we'll get a break <laughs> in. We've got the very silly game about the Patriots. Then a mystery guest and the return of one of our favorites and one of your favorite things that we do. Stay tuned for that. Jeremy and Joe on WGR. Uh, yeah, most definitely. I met with the Bills. I think that was my first meeting uh, when I got here. Josh Allen, great, great quarterback. You know, strong arm. Um, can get the ball downfield. Leader. You know, so I think. He's a good guy, for sure. What were your conversations like with Joe Brady in that meeting? Because he coached yeah. Chase and uh, Jefferson. Yeah, so um, he was actually recruiting me in, in college. I mean, high school, you know, um, when he was at LSU or whatever for that last year or that whole year he was there. 
And um, yeah, we were just talking about that. It was pretty cool, you know, talk to him again, though, all that good stuff, and just um, seeing how he felt about me, for sure. Roy Franklin says his first meeting was with the Bills. The Bills called dibs. It's over. Future Bills receiver, Troy Franklin. Joe, can you sense my excitement watching every one of these guys talk about playing for the Bills? Just, yes. It's amazing. What a day. Just even embrace the hypothetical that it... That, yeah. Yeah. That they're all just going to play for the Bills now. Yeah. It's great. We got a contest, and then we got another receiver talking about what it would be like to play for the Bills. Look at all these future Bills receivers. All of them. It's amazing. Lad McConkey is going to the stage now. Maybe he'll, he'll oh, about to say it too. My my guy Lad, Lad McConkey. Let's go talk about what it'd be like to play for the Bills. Who I saw compared to Antonio Brown by Mike Renner, Pro Football Focus. Yeah. Okay. Let's go. Uh, before we do that, let's give away something. How about we call our five to two two one four WGR to win a four pack of tickets to the West New York Sport and Travel Expo coming to the Hamburg Fairgrounds from Friday March eighth through Sunday March tenth. Visit wnysportshow.com for details and tickets. I've been boy. Josh is doing work today. Every thirty seconds, I'm throwing him another receiver. <laughs> Who's next? Hit the horn, baby. Keon Coleman met with the Bills and All talked right. about it. Being able to contribute, and you know, they was asking me how would how would you handle not coming in and just handling the wheel? Like you gonna have guys probably like stuff on digs there. I'm like that'll be great for me. I get to learn from a guy that's. But that statue has been in the league for a while, doing it consistently. So I'm just coming in as a sponge, and I'm not mad if I don't have to take the wheel right away. That's, that's a learning experience for me to get to learn from him. And when I do get the wheel, it's going to be something crazy. Look at that. He's a sponge. Ready to learn. <laughs> Perfect. Let's go. Mark gone. Buffalo News says that uh, Keon Coleman gives off Eric Mould's vibes. Woo. Meeting with the Bills, what he brings. Mm-hmm. Oh, now I'm seeing Coleman about potentially playing for the Ravens. Don't want to see it. Let me score right past. Listen, he's just, it's smokescreen season. He's just he's got to be he's got listen he's got to be yeah. nice. Yeah, he's got to be nice and although pre- and he, pretend that these other teams matter. What he said about the Ravens is I'd be grateful. I'd love for OBJ to be brought back. I mean, the Bills could just sign OBJ for like six million bucks, That's and then true. boom, Keon Coleman's see, back to be wanting to be a Bill. What he's doing there, he's saying he'd like the Ravens to bring OBJ back, so the Ravens look at him and say, like, buddy, you're not the GM. You don't run this team. Never mind. And then the Bills will get the again. They're <laughs> going to get all the receivers, mm-hmm. all of them. All right. So we've got confirmed meetings from. In all seriousness. Keon Coleman, Troy Franklin, and Adonai Mitchell so far. Are those the only three we've got? Okay. Lad McConkey to confirm a meeting with the Bills in 3-2-1, right? Very, very shortly. Yep. That'll happen. Thanks to everybody tweeting out this video. I've got Matt Perino, Josh Reed, Mark on, among others, still there at the Combine, tweeting on video of the receivers who will test tomorrow. Okay, are you ready for the very fun, silly, stupid Patriots draft game? Yes. I was going back. I did an advanced Twitter search of my own tweets. What was I looking for? I was looking if I ever... This is very stupid, but... You know how I've told you that in the NHL, a fourth-round draft pick is worth a jar of olives? And a a seventh-round draft pick... Dish soap, right? uh, Fourth-rounder... Sorry, you're right. Fourth-rounder is a rebate for dish soap. Rebate for dish soap. Fifth-rounder is a jar of olives. Seventh-rounder is a button on a dress shirt that no longer fits. (laughs) So I was going through and I was trying to find Uh if if I ever did a sixth-round pick. Anyway, my search brought me to an old Gil Brandt tweet. You remember, you know Gil Brandt, Gil right? Gil Brandt, yeah. NFL legend. And I happened upon a Gil Brandt tweet that said, quote, 
might be the most perfect pick of the draft. Hashtag Patriots. I'll give you five guesses. What draft pick did Gil Brandt Mm. say was the perfect draft pick for the Patriots? This was how many years ago? I mean, I could give you the year. Oh, oh, never mind. Don't give me the year. It's in the last seven years. Is it the Mac Jones pick? No. I mean, you know what? To be honest, you might have said this about every Patriots pick. Yeah, Uh, maybe. In this case, it was a sixth rounder. Late sixth. Well, I'm thinking of that. I'll let you know that Keon Coleman just said Josh Allen is the strongest arm in the league. He needs someone who he can get it to. Oh, look at that. Uh, Oh, he needs someone who can go get it, is what he said. Love it. How about, is this going to be like one of, like, Cole Strange, one of these, like, really bad picks at the time that everybody hated? The answer is Braxton Berrios. Wait. New England picked Braxton Berrios? Yes. And that was the perfect pick? It might be the most perfect pick of the draft. The Patriots selecting Braxton Berrios in the sixth round. In the sixth round? Yes. (laughs) Yep. Uh Did he ever play for them? Great question. He's a player. He's in the league. No, he never played for the Patriots. Perfect pick. Four years with the Jets, one year with the Dolphins. Look at the things people used to say about the Patriots. Perfect Just make a pick in the sixth round, and they'd be like, oh, my God. It might be the best pick of the draft. I mean, isn't that what uh, uh, this sign there? Day three NFL draft coverage with all, like, no one knows who those prospects really are. Right? Day three. Yep. So you just go, out oh, New England picked the right guy. That's it. That's the extent of analysis from day three of the draft. 8030550. By the time we get back, we'll have like three more receivers that have confirmed to have met with the Bills. So stay tuned for that and a mystery guest and our favorite game. I say I try to modify my game after a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys out there that's doing some really great things. Just trying to take every little nugget that I can out of one person game and try to add it to my game. Because if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. How would how would you handle not coming in and just handling the wheel? Like, you want to have guys probably stuff on digs there? I'm like, that would be great for me. I get to learn from a guy that's of that statue that's been in the league for a while, doing it consistently. So I'm just coming in as a sponge, and I'm not mad if I don't have to take the wheel right away. Uh, yeah, most definitely. I met with the Bills. I think that was my first meeting uh, when I got here. Josh Allen, great great quarterback, you know, strong arm, can get the ball downfield, leader, you know, so I think he's, he's a good guy for sure. What was your conversations like with Joe Brady in that meeting? Because he coached Chase and uh, Jefferson. Yeah, so um, he was actually recruiting me in, in college. I mean, high school, you know. Um, when he was at LSU or wherever for that last year or that little year, he was there. And, um, yeah, we were just talking about that. It was pretty cool, you know, talk to him again, though, all that good stuff, and just um, seeing how he felt about me. Josh Allen, great, great quarterback. Is this the greatest day of my life? Mm. All of these future Bills receivers just talking about what it would be like to play with the Bills. Good morning, Jeremy and Joe. Howard Simon's in studio. I thought you were referring to Odyssey Employee Recognition Day or whatever it is. That appreciation day. mm -hmm. Combined with you accepting an invite to come in here. Yeah. Yeah, there's so much. Caleb Williams wants to rewrite history. Why is he talking? He's not a receiver. Get him out. I get. How do I mute everything in my feed except for receivers? You know, I can officially drive your wide receiver train now that I've driven a train. If you're looking for someone to drive your wide receiver train. You've driven a train. You've driven a train? Okay, so this is great. By the way. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. It's Howard's baby. retirement anniversary. Gotcha, a year ago, it was March 3rd. Far fewer tears today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this segment's not over yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
You drove a train. I, I was did. Ask, like, what's, what, what have you been doing for the last year? The answer, driving trains. I drove a train. Um, you know, me and trains, right? Yeah. I'm a real train nerd. So my wife got me a present a couple years ago. There's a place down there in Cooperstown where they let you go basically take the what are the cab, the head of a freight train, whatever, the diesel, whatever, and drive it for a few miles. You know, the guys in the in the in there with you. Yeah. Uh not but, a lot of steering involved, no, right? No, really, it's just kind of go straight. <laughs> um but I and honestly you don't go more I think I topped out at ten miles an hour. You don't go really fast. But you know, there I had to blow the whistle for crossings. Love you it. know, I had I had to be aware that nothing was on the track in front of me. You know, they had to I had to, you know, slow it down, speed it up. So yes, I, I have a certificate to officially drive your wide receiver train. Very good. A train is the perfect metaphor for this because it's all speed straight ahead. We're not deviating in any other direction. We are singularly focused yep. on receivers for this team. <clears throat> Defensive tackle. Get out of here with the no. safety. A first round safety. Last time the Bills took a first round safety, you and I were doing the show. Ooh, first round safety. Dante Whitner? Because yeah, Bird was a second round. We were on location right. somewhere doing the show that day. Yes, we were. people were yelling at okay, us. Okay, I'll tell you, we're, <laughs> we, were, we were at Dave and Buster's. There you go. Okay, very good. We were good. at Dave and Buster's yeah. because Leinert was falling down the board. Max Leinert. Max Leinert. Marv called him Max Leinert. Yeah. Leinert was falling down the board, and we kind of had one of those, they're not going to take Leinert, right? <laughs> That's not going to happen. And I think he would have gone maybe right after them. I don't remember where he, when he would have gone. Whitner was, what, was the, this is the 06 draft, yeah. right? Is he so sixth or eighth let, or something? Give me the, who's, the fir, who's the first pick of that draft? Mario Williams. Okay. Oh. Then Reggie that, Bush. Yeah. And then there was another, wasn't there another defensive end? Uh, you got a quarterback, though, first. Oh, okay. Joey Herring? No. No. That's Vince not right. Young. Vince Young oh, is Vince third. Vince Young went third. Then you had DeBrickashaw Ferguson. Okay. There's another safety before Whitner. Yeah. It is. Don't before. tell me. Don't tell me. I'm going to get it. It's Alabama. Uh, no. Oh, Texas. Yep. Okay. Um, Roy Williams. No. Wasn't no. There a safety name Roy Williams. Oh, there was, but this is not, this is not him. Safety from Texas. Come yeah. on, think hard, Jeremy. This is good for his for his age. It is good. It is good for, for me. his memory. Give me initials. M H. Nicole Hardman. No. <laughs> Marvin Harrison Jr. No. <laughs> All right. MH, I, I'm, I'm going to be so mad I don't I thought, get this. Honestly, I honestly thought I know initials this. would give it away. I know this. Yeah. I, I absolutely know this. Because Whitner was the second safety, and we are like, you have the eighth pick, you're taking the second Michael safety. Mark. His last name rhymes with a famous dragon. They could have given away a Huff. million. It's Mike Huff? <laughs> Michael Huff. Mike Huff. Yes. You know, it's funny. Like I was thinking Michael Huff, but then I thought. Yeah, Michael Huff. I thought that I don't even remember him playing, and I, I remember mm. the safety going into that draft. He became nothing, right? Did he play? Uh, he had a long career. Okay, I mean, just the guy. He started 118 games for the Raiders. I don't know if he was good, but he was yeah. there forever. Yeah, it's the Raiders. Who, who remembers the Raiders? We remember where? Lossman? Edwards? Why, why, were, why was there no way they were taking Leinart? Because they didn't know the name? Because <laughs> because Lossman and Edwards were too young in the give-up-on-them okay. process. And that was back when the Bills would tell you that continuity was important. Yeah. Yeah. And two instead quarterbacks. Instead of, you know, just being good. Two quarterbacks in the next three picks after they picked Dante Whitner. Leinert. Leinert. And then Cutler. Oh, yeah. Went 11th. Yeah, I remember we were not really. Who, who were the next few picks after Whitner? Who would we have wanted that day? Ernie Sims, Haloti, no. Nada. That was a big one. People wanted him. I feel okay. like we were talking about defensive linemen. Uh, Broderick Bunkley, Cameron Wimbley, Ty Hill, Jason Allen, Chad Greenway, Bobby Carpenter, Antonio Carmardi, Tamba Ali, Lawrence Maroney. Hmm. Okay. Nothing. San Antonio Holmes? I probably wanted him. <laughs> I was driving the receiver train <laughs> in 06. 
Yeah, this train's been going for a huh. long time. So we got our latest met with the Bills. Xavier Worthy had a formal meeting with the Bull- with the Bills. All right, good. Have you set odds? What 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 odds would you set of the Bills taking a receiver in the first round? Uh minus ten million. <laughs> I was gonna say, is even money fair? They're they're going to do it. See, now I'm worried about you. They're going to do it. See, you're you're getting your hopes up. It's it's not a it's, it's a fact. They're okay, going see, to but, do it. But if they don't, you're gonna crash. They're going to do it. Okay. I hope you're right. He what won't crash there? the Friday morning after though. He'll crash no, it'll it'll the wait. next day. If they don't take one in the second round. They don't take one in the second round. Look. There's no way they're not taking a receiver in one of the first two rounds. No right. way. Yes. I don't know about round yes. one because there is. There's always that voice on my head of I always hear Bean and McDermott talking about building teams up front. There's no way they can go through the first two rounds and not take a wide receiver. Yep. It's it's just it's unfathomable to me. I really don't and see that happening because of that. Don't you get to a spot where you say, "Well, I can't miss in the first and then put." All my eggs in the, I'm about right. to take one in the end of the second with 30 picks between these next two picks. Right. If I if I go to the store and I need one thing for sure, I make sure I get that thing first. Mm-hmm. All right, don't forget, I need this thing first. Because if you go mm-hmm. get the rest of your groceries and circle back, then you ran out of time be because, right, exactly. Yeah. Hey, I, mean, I need to buy tickets to this exclusive concert and also go get bread. Right. What's most important? Make sure you get your tickets first. Yeah. And then you can go get some bread later. Yeah, you can't miss out on the concert. These are very wild metaphors. I apologize for. No, I. I mean, I. It's just such a no-brainer. I, I get it. They have various needs, and and they do believe very much so on building up front. And they have lots of openings along the defensive line, and they desperately need young defensive tackles. I get all that, but offense, man, it's offense. You got to. You want to win the Super Bowl. You got to keep up with the Joneses in terms of offense. So. It's Steph. It's Stefan Diggs is going to be what thirty, thirty one next season. Mm-hmm. His contract is an issue. Nobody thinks Gabe Davis is coming back. I don't think Gabe Davis is coming back. No. Nope. Uh, I like what I saw from Shakir, but let's face it, they need help badly at that position. I mean, Keon Coleman said mm-hmm. Josh Allen needs someone to throw him the ball. Keon Coleman's on the receiver train as a receiver. <laughs> right. Well, you guys He's need help. Painting for you it. guys need some help. I feel like the quarterback would say the same thing. Yeah. Please get me a receiver to throw the football to. Well, draft memories are fun, in part because they allow us to play games that we've played before. And we're going to bring it back and start it right now. Hit the music. Oh, I love this music. Guess the prospect. Guess the prospect. Oh. You guys have been doing... Oh. It's the first one. Oh, wow. Oh, don't make my memory work. I don't Guess the I haven't prospect. had to remember anything in a year. <laughs> we've we've passed the torch, Brayton Wilson passing the torch to Josh here, who's gonna run guess the prospect for us. We're gonna do guess what we're, guess what position we're gonna do. Wide receiver? Yep, yeah, that's oh, right. That's Stunner. Right. That's a good one. Wait, so who was the guy? Oh. Who? I always used to guess a quarterback from Virginia Tech. Tyrod Taylor. No. Uh, Michael Vick. No, maybe it was. I always used to guess some useless quarterback who was. I thought it was Jim Druckenmiller. Jim Druckenmiller. There you go. Pretty sure it's him. Okay, go ahead. Jim Druckenmiller. Incorrect. Right. Sorry. Thanks for playing. It's tradition. <laughs> so, first clue. I played college at a Southern ACC school for three seasons that has a mascot that is related to the mascot of the NFL team that drafted me. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> oh, right wow. off the bat. Woo! 
dogs and cats or something? I mean, related. Right, right related. Related to a mascot. A, an ACC school. Okay, Southern ACC. Southern ACC. Aren't they all Southern ACC? Well, no, Syracuse not, is in the ACC. They don't count. What's related? So is Boston College. Who's related to a demon deacon? <laughs> Tar Heel, Deacons, Blue Devils. Go okay, ahead. keep going. Tiger, Bengals. All right, pack. second one. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh. That's the whole clue, first clue? Yeah. Okay. I do not have a guess. Okay, so <laughs> hold on. By the way, we've got to set the parameters. The parameters are receiver taken in any round since 1999. Okay. Any round. Any yeah. round. And the problem... Boy, the oh, we pro- used to do only the first three rounds, I know. right? The big problem with this is going to be that the ACC, as a hint, like well, ACC in 2002 was a lot different than it is now. That's oh, okay. right. So they okay. were... Let's go Southern ACC. So they could have been at a school that's no longer in the ACC. Possible. I mean, what's related to? You, I, said, you said it's related, related to, to a mascot the of the mascot team he played of the for. College is related to the mascot yeah, of the, the team, team that drove. Okay, for. okay. I'm, I'm thinking like t- Clemson Tigers, Cincinnati Bengals. Okay. Yeah, because but I don't be. got a guy. Hurricanes, no Seminoles. Hurricanes, ACC so, South Hurricanes. ACC is going to be yes. Uh, Tigers. He said mascot. Now, the Hurricanes mascot oh. is an ibis. What the heck a is what? an ibis? It's a bird. Oh, thank you. Oh, then it could Ooh, be Ravens. any bird? I don't know. Are, are, are all could be any bird. Are all birds related? I, Yellow jackets. That's a great. Georgia put it on the poll. Jackets, Clemson <laughs> are all birds related? <laughs> yeah, they're members of the bird family. Uh, okay, so I think we're, we're, we're going tiger. It wouldn't be blue devil, right? It can't no. be tar heel. I don't think it's... Wolf pack. What the heck would be related when to? When he says ra- related, related to related Wolves, he, dogs. Listen, related Browns. might just be like similar veins. Can I go with Florida State and Kansas City here? Oh, oh like Seminoles, Seminoles and Chiefs. Yeah. Yep. Wolf, so, Wolfpack could be Browns. You could go dogs to Wolves. Oh, really? He's not doing that. No, no? he's not doing that. Um, Tigers to Bengals is solid. That's like the same thing, right? What's that? Is a Bengal a tiger? Yes. Okay. Then I like this one the most. That's Clemson. a Clemson receiver drafted to the Cincinnati Bengals. It could be an any T Higgins. Didn't T Higgins play at Clemson? Yes. T Higgins. That's correct. All right. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. Joe. Joe. That's it. You guys are awesome, man. Or the rest of the clues. The rest the next one was I played Sorry. two years of my college football career with a quarterback that currently starts on the team in the AFC South. And I won a national championship with him in 2018. And that would have been Deshaun. No, Deshaun's in the AFC North. He's in the, he's in the, he's in the he's North, in the AFC North Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. Oh, right. And then the last one was I play on an NFL team in Ohio that beat the Bills last year in the playoffs. Ooh. Yeah. We would have got on that one. T. Higgins. First pick of the Man. second round. Yeah. Did they tag him? Yes. They did. Oh, okay. They did. But not, I don't think I, I don't think the they're going to go get him. I don't think they're going to pay him though. Really? Well, now we got to get to all the stuff we brought up during that. Like, are all birds related? Are all birds related? I mean, Why by they DNA, they yeah. probably are. They're right? all birds. According to Caleb Williams, they're all government drones. So, <laughs> is he a, <laughs> a birds aren't real guy? Apparently, birds sure. aren't real. Yeah, you've seen that. There's a guy from the combine that said that birds weren't real. Yeah. It's Which I don't even know what that means. Do you think they're they're hologram, holograms? So the, like, birds, the birds that build nests around my house, they're not real. If you look into the whole birds aren't real thing, what it is, it's a... Uh, it's, I best understand it. There's always risk at like, talking about something you kind of understand on the radio publicly. I want to do it. Yeah. It's kind of a joke, but the birds aren't real people. Where did they start from? They started by going to other protests 
And to make those protests look ridiculous, they would bring signs that say birds aren't real. Uh-huh. So it was almost a counter-protesting <laughs> thing that if you wanted to mock a protest, there's people standing on the corner and you think they're idiots, uh-huh. you go there with signs that say birds aren't real. And that kind of grew into this cult sensation. Nobody actually believes the birds aren't real. Uh, it right. was a counter-protesting thing, Okay, as I best understand it. Okay. I'm going to create a sign and bring it to work from now on. The, the birds, birds aren't real. real? Yeah, I'll just walk around Niagara Falls State Park with it. Yeah. Sorry, that was I, I never I never get it by the way. So I'm really well, see I couldn't say I never it's get the those. same mascot because a tiger and a bangle no, are that was, two different words. The clue was very good. But you know, yeah. give 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 the man over here credit. No, for that was figuring that, was a that great one out. Connection. You got there. I mean so that, that's the that's the <clears throat> the virtual draft. That's the twenty twenty yeah. oh. draft that they pick Higgins. No Goodell hug? No Goodell hug. That's, no, that, that's, that's the one. That's, Goodell's got his like recliner. Oh, yes. he's sitting in his basement or whatever. That's his, where we all saw him cave. getting tired as he went from standing <laughs> to announce the picks to like sitting. leaning forward, and then he was like, he eventually got real cozy and he was like putting the feet up, at, like with the index card. That's right. In his own lounge we while he was saw doing that. Bill Belichick's dog too, didn't we? Was that that draft? Oh yeah. And Vrabel with his sons or right. something, right? Yeah. And the Bills did not have a pick before T Higgins. So this is a receiver class where you can't do the whole, oh, I wish they had uh, Brandon Ayuk or T. Higgins or Michael Pittman or any or all those guys because they didn't pick till the end of the second round. So I have not followed the draft at all this year. So Mr. Wide Receiver Train, yeah. last year there was a run on receivers before the Bills picked. Yes. Uh, the Bills are at 28. Is there going to be somebody worthy of the pick at 28 on your wide receiver train? There's even a guy named Worthy, actually, for that. So I guess he would be worthy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there will be a Worthy guy. I just, I don't want, I, do I have to worry about like a run? I haven't looked at, even looked at the draft order to see if there's a area of concern well, where there could be a run of receivers. If you want to do this on the NFL draft order, like think about how many teams could take a receiver. Yeah. Okay, let's start with the Patriots at three. Oh, my God. Maybe, but they're probably I mean, going to go. They, the first, the first receiver is probably Marvin Harrison Jr. at four to Arizona. Maybe Malik Neighbors. Nice for that. But man. like, okay, let's they find let's it. start. Who needs receivers? Well, the um, Patriots do. Need NFL. dot com. There was an article about team needs. These are the teams that they say need a receiver. Arizona is one of them. The Giants definitely do, mm-hmm. even though they're not listed mm-hmm. here. Titans, yes, yes. Falcons, yeah. maybe not as bad as other teams. Drake London's really good. They? they have a stud tight end. They don't really have another receiver, though, after nope. Drake London, so yeah. they the, could. The Bears at nine. Yep. Yep. The Jets. Yep. Yep. Yeah. There's plenty of talk that they would pair somebody else with Garrett Wilson. The Vikings, probably not. Probably not. Broncos. Probably not. Pro- probably not. The Raiders. Uh, that might be a maybe. That's a, maybe. I think that's a probably not. The Saints. Sure. Yeah. yeah. To go with Olave. The Colts. Probably not if Pittman returns. If Pittman returns, they probably hold. Sir. Not, maybe not the first round. They but... just drafted Alex Pierce in the second round, right. too. Like, yeah. Right. Seahawks. No. no. No way. Jaguars. Probably not. You want, okay, a, right? want, a, you want a stat on the Jaguars? But maybe because Calvin Ridley could leave. They mm-hmm. have the most vacated targets in the NFL right okay, now so... going to the office because they're also <laughs> losing Zay Jones. Okay. Let's go Jaguars. Yes. Yep. Bengals. Possible. Well, they're, they lose Higgins. They lost. They're going to lose Boyd. Yeah. They're, they're at Chase and the guy from Yale. Oh, that guy. Uh, <laughs> Trenton Irwin? 
No, no. there's another guy. He's got like a the name like starts with I. Andre Ayasavas or something like that. I've got him in a very deep wow. fantasy league. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> no a wide idea. receiver from Yale. I've got a lot of receivers in my leagues. Uh, Rams are a no. Steel, a no. Steelers are unfortunately no. a very, I think a maybe. You think? They might trade Deontay Johnson, and it's a maybe. Oh, okay. Sure. The Dolphins are a maybe. Really? Hill is old, and Waddle is... Man, I don't, I don't know. I, don't know. I got, think they, their offensive line needs help, for one thing. And they, and they don't have money. Armstead might retire. Let me pull up Marcel Louis-Jacques, who tweeted yesterday a quote from uh, Mike McDaniel about wide receiver as a Ooh. need for them. Yikes. Get ready. Man, Wait till they, they, w- w- they take Troy Franklin out of your, you know. Oh, at 21. That would not be good. Yep. I don't need them taking a receiver. Um, the rest of the list. Where, Eagles are 22nd. They don't need one. They don't need one. The Texans at 23? They don't need one, no. They've got Nico Collins and Tank Dell. If they took another one, I'd be deathly afraid of them. The Cowboys. <laughs> I think the Cowboys are a maybe. Behind yeah. CeeDee Lamb. I've seen a little bit of chatter about Gabe Davis to the Cowboys. Yeah? Really? Mm-hmm. The Packers are a no. That's a no. The Bucks are a yes. Yeah, because they could lose Evans. They could. And Godwin's getting up there. Yep. So. Cardinals are picking right in front of the Bills. So and they, they, if, if they, they already pick- took Harrison, then they're they're done. Yep. And then you're to the Bills, who are a yes. The Lions, who are a yes. The Ravens, who are a yes. The Chiefs, yes. So it's that run after. I don't know if there's a run before the Bills, but there might be. <clears throat> if you're Arizona and you've taken Marvin Harrison Jr. and sitting at 27, there might be a bunch of calls. I was to just going to the say front of the line. Watch Kansas City jump over the Bills. Well, think about it this way: if there's a really strong group of receivers, let's say, let's say Brian Thomas goes, and the first four are off the board. Between 5 and 11 on most teams' boards, there's going to be a run somewhere. Mm-hmm. And isn't, gonna, isn't the run going to come as soon as one of them goes? So whoever makes that move, maybe if you're in the draft here, you're Arizona, you're sitting there, it's like, you guys ready to start to receive a receiver run? Who wants this spot? You right. get your pick. Especially when you're sitting in front of a team who a lot of people think is in the mix for a receiver. Absolutely. So, yeah, you'd want to get in front of the Bills. Well... Just as long as I don't need Miami to take a receiver, and I do not want Kansas City jumping up to get a receiver if that's their plan. Roman Wilson, <laughs> Michigan receiver, has met with the Bills. Okay. Blazing speed, loves digs. Maybe a late round two guy for that. You know, they'll probably go wide receiver in round one and round two anyway. I mean, yeah, it's, it's not worth it. I think that's more likely than defensive I line. I want to say it. I want to say it. Two, def- two defensive tackles. Yeah, let's do another defense-defense back-to-back draft. Well, that was ends. This would be tackles. Safety got to come at some point. I wouldn't say it would be in the first two days, though. So that list, by the way, where the Jaguars, so vacated targets, this is going into free agency and also assuming Michael Pittman stays with Indianapolis, which is probably going to happen. If he stays, there are only six teams that have more vacated targets than the Bills. Going into the offseason. The Jaguars, the Bucks, the Saints, the Falcons, the Cardinals, and the Ravens. That's it. And five of those teams pick in front of the Bills. Well, the Ravens so. addressed their wide receiver last year. I don't know if they would do that again, right? Uh, no, they They would still they want to be might. looking for... Yeah, I mean, the GM, yesterday, Beckham, Beckham's a free agent. Okay. So I guess they could, they could hold on to him if they want. But the GM yesterday was talking like they want to get Rashad Bateman more involved, but... Maybe that's just something you say because the guy's on the team right now. I, I think the Ravens could definitely pick a receiver. And, man, waking up the next morning, if the Bills have not picked a receiver, they picked a defensive player, and then like if you get Baltimore and Kansas City behind yeah. you that have done it, or, right. hell, if Miami does it too. 
in Cincinnati. The other teams, right, the other teams, not just, you know, just whoever, like the contenders in the conference are going to be addressing that position. Yeah, so if Mike McDaniel comes out and says and starts making a case for wide receiver, can we just listen to the understand? Yeah, hey, guys, hi. Offense, passing game, wide receivers, they have Hill and Waddle and they would still go get another receiver? Yeah. Right? Didn't we t- didn't we look at the Bengals and go how cool was it when they had, you know, they had Chase, they had Higgins and they had Boyd. You know, when Diggs mm-hmm. first got here it was what? Diggs, Brown, Beasley, Diggs, Beasley, Brown, whatever order and it was. Davis. And they were really good. Yep. They were awesome. Got to get back to that. Got to stack the receiving core. Absolutely. 8030550188852550. Uh when we get back, Aaron Schatz has a new piece uh this morning on uh, key free agent moves all 32 teams should make. He puts a receiver on the Bills. All right, let's go. <laughs> let's go. He knows. Oh, the train counts for free agents too? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, just Absolutely. any receiver. Everything except for, for uh, what's the, hold on, reserve future contracts don't count. <laughs> K.J. Hamler. There's Hamler. no horn for K.J. Hamler. I, I, yeah. Really? No. I feel bad for K.J. Hamler now. He should get some kind of... I gave Justin Shorter a little, a little love a yesterday. Little toot, toot. Just a little tiny... Yeah. Like a Thomas the Tank Engine horn. I'll think about it. All right. I'll think about it. Howard's in visiting one-year anniversary of uh, his departure. He's been he's been driving trains. <laughs> Someone's got to do it. <laughs> we both have. That's right. You're, <laughs> That's right. Yours are a little smaller than the one I had, though. All right. We'll get Aaron Schatz's idea for the Bills and free agency. We'll see who else the Bills have met with. We've yet to find a receiver that didn't meet with the Bills. So... uh We'll get a few more names as we go. They work out tomorrow. Jeremy and Joe, Howard visiting, Josh producing on WGR. Uh, yeah, most definitely. I met with the Bills. I think that was my first meeting uh, when I got here. Josh Allen, great, great quarterback, you know, strong arm, can get the ball downfield leader you know so i think he's, he's a good guy for sure what was your conversations like with joe brady in that meeting because he coached chase and uh jefferson yeah so you. um he was actually recruiting me in, in college i mean high school you know um, when he was at lsu or wherever for that last year or that whole year he was there and um, yeah we were just talking about that it was pretty cool you know talk to him again though all that good stuff and just uh, seeing how he felt about me troy franklin oregon receiver Danny Kelly of the Ringer, if you want his comp, he does, you know, comps, and it's shades of. This player has shades of Troy Franklin. I'm trying to find it here. I'm scrolling. Where was he? Uh, Jerry Rice. Brent Thomas Jr., Lad McConkey, <laughs> Keon Coleman, Ed and I Mitchell. I went a little too high with the bar. No. Uh, Troy Franklin is shades of Jamison Williams, who, if you remember, a couple years ago, when Jamison Williams blew out his knee, we thought, could he slide to the Bills? Mm-hmm. We were hoping that that yeah. happened. Yeah. Of course, it didn't. But uh, tall, slim, long arms, big play waiting to happen, blazing top end speed, quickly gets behind defenses, explodes off the line, shows in, shows ability to beat his opponent off the dribble with the first couple steps. Like any any, you know... I don't mean to make everything about Gabe Davis' shortcomings. Davis has been a really nice player for the Bills. He's good, and he'll serve somebody well in the role that he goes to. But the outside receiver number two, the Bills didn't get that. No. For the last two years, they didn't get that. So can you get what Davis does, but also get that? Beating someone off the dribble, first couple steps. Scouting report continues. Looks like a gazelle out there. Chews up ground. Outraces defensive backs. Mm -hmm. One of the premier deep ball receivers in 2023. 
more than just a vertical threat. Ability to snap routes off sharply, create separation, can hit the brakes and let defenders run right by on comebacks and curls. Makes plays after the catch. Ability to square up a defender, beat them off the first step like he did on this catch against Washington. There's a highlight there to link to. Long and flexible. Why he could rise. Field tilting pass catcher. Explosive plays. Vertically and yak. Why he could fall. Skinny. Lacks play strength. Drops were an issue in 2023. There you go. Uh, this brings back memories of, of draft prospects, and every time you'd read one, I'd be like, I fall in love with that guy. I go, I want him! Yeah. And then you'd find mm-hmm. another guy and read another, I want him! Mm-hmm. Just want everybody. But, you know, I'm, I'm good with blazing speed and gazelle-like. I feel like the Bills' offense could use blazing speed and gazelle-like. Malik Neighbors. The Bills have not been in contact with him this week at the Senior Bowl. Uh, oh, that's this week. So they're not trading up into the top 10? No. Likely a top 12 pick out of range for the Bills. Nah. Matt Perino in there about the, the senior bowl. I think he means this week at the at the combine. Bills have not been in contact with neighbors. Uh, that or smokescreen. 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 So are you keeping a running total of how many receivers they're meeting with? They get, what, 45 total visits, I think, right, from what Brandon Bean said? These are meetings, though. Oh, right, they'll have visits, too, after the, the, the Yeah, I'm not talking about yeah. visits on site at the at the facility. I'm talking about they get... 45 players they're allowed to meet with in Indianapolis. Now, by the way, they also probably would have, could have, should have met with wide receivers at the Senior Bowl. Yep. Right? They start with yep. players there. Yeah, that could so have I'm been. Just be curious to what the numbers are like. That could have been Roman Wilson, right? He was a standout at the Senior Bowl. They could yep. have met with him there. Lad McConkey yep. would have been that as well. Jeremy and Joe Howard's in hanging out one year anniversary of his retirement. What have you guys been doing for the last year? Stuff. I mean,. Uh, Building so the, trains. It's, it's almost a full year later. It's t- two days is the actual anniversary of your last day here. Okay, let's revisit where things were and where things are. Let's not bring up the hockey team. I was just going to say. No, I'm too uh, late. Foot- I'm already the, pulling up the standings from that day. The football team is uh, still good and lost at home in the second round of the playoffs. Where have I heard that before? And the hockey <laughs> team uh, is going to miss the playoffs. It's enigmatic, yeah. Although when you left, they were not definitely going to miss. We had a look at it, right, Joe? Yeah, oh where, yeah. Where are the standings on Howard's right. last day? I'm looking right now. I think they would have They might they have, been, have been closer than they are now, right? They were only in a spot for one day, so I doubt it was that day. The, the, the night But they wouldn't have scored. been as many points back. No, they last year at this time were three points out with a game in hand from the Penguins. What a different world. Uh, or they were four points. Listen, like, games in hand, by the way, the new in the hunt for... Uh, <laughs> For the drought, uh, the Sabers were four points behind the Islanders with five games in hand. Oh wow! So it would have been one of those days where we would have said, "Hey guys, if you look at the standings by points percentage, they're actually right. in a spot." Right. So we probably thought we might have thought at this time last year they were going to the playoffs. We you could have legitimately thought that. Well, yeah. they, we talked many times. If Levi showed up a week earlier, they might have. Yeah, yeah. If they got goaltending like they're getting right now, oh, yeah, would have been a they would have been in. They would have walked in. Yeah, that's part of the shame. All right, what else? Uh, when the, when the pitchers and catchers report, 
They already did. They Spring did. training games are underway. All right. I can't believe you haven't been glued to SNY. To the Mets games? No, unfortunately, I haven't been. Is that earlier than normal? Or is this normal? It no, snuck up on me a little bit. It's, no, it's they've, February. They've, right. they've been playing. I feel like they never used to play games until March, uh-huh. but they, they've been starting in late February last, I think, last few years. But yeah, we're, we're on to 2025. Yeah. We're not even thinking about the Mets in 2024. No? What else happened? No, because they're not going to be good. When you were When you left, had the stadium been agreed to, signed on? Are we like... Was construction underway? Oh, that's a good question. I don't. Was the hole in the ground? Yeah, right? It was. Wasn't the hole in the ground already? It had to be. I don't think. I think it was later in the year, was wasn't it? it? They didn't have the hole. They didn't have. The bills the broke ground in June. Oh, all right. Then it was. I remember driving. It was before yeah. the season. I remember driving to the stadium to do the Channel 7 preseason show, and I'm going down Abbott, looked to my right, and thought, oh my God. Yeah. There's a giant hole in the ground over there. I think we might have still been... Were we at a point of demanding uh, renderings at that point? Mm, did we have renderings? Did we, did we want more? Giant buffaloes. Yes, giant buffaloes. Like massive, like the largest giant buffaloes in the history of giant buffaloes. Yeah. the render, The first round of renderings were released March 27th of last year. So okay. we didn't we didn't, didn't know what yet. it was going to look like. Yeah, we probably we would have had some idea because we would have been hearing about the Tottenham, you know, comparison and mm-hmm. the roof being 60 whatever percent over the fans, but we wouldn't have seen anything yet. How are your soccer lives going these days? Oh, good. You're locked and loaded. We are, it's it's uh it's good. You're Soc- both happy at the race. same time. I have so much anxiety about the next 2 months. Happy-ish, yeah. Cuz last time I was here Arsenal was like, were they in first? They were in first for but, almost the entire year stop, last year. You told me to stop talking about it because I was jinxing something. They faltered late and finished in second. All right. Okay. And this year, they're currently in third, um, but they're playing great and they're in striking distance, and it's going to be a good finish. It's a three-team race in the Premier League. The Premier League is set to have a nuts, potentially nuts finish. Yeah. And Liverpool, right? They're in first. Liverpool, 60 points. City, 59 points. You. Arsenal, 58 points. Look at you with your soccer life. But it's, Arsenal has the best goal differential. That's right. But only by one. It's, it's possible. Close. There's a highlight, a famous highlight of the NFL primetime show with Chris Berman from like 97 where there are two NFL games and point differential is a tiebreaker and factors in. Really? And both teams are running up the score because they might have <sighs> needed the points. Yeah. Yeah. It's possible the Premier League finale, the, the actual end of the season comes down to the last week, and you have three teams trying to score as many goals as possible. Because That's funny. a win might get maybe the team in first wins and wins it, but maybe if they tie, the team that's in second can win, and if they win by five, they can surpass the team. Like it just, it could wow. get really, really interesting. It should be fun games to watch if they're trying to just add goal upon goal upon goal. Yep. If yep. the final day is any version of that, it's going to be it's nuts. going to be nuts. If even two teams are alive on the final day, it's just oh, awesome. Two years ago, when it was City and Liverpool that both could still win it on the final day, having like moving your head back and forth, I was out watching it. <laughs> One TV was on my left, the other was on my right. I'm like swiveling and watching the crowd swivel back and forth. To like which game they're paying attention to because both mean right. equal right. to whether you win the championship or not. It is so crazy that I can't even fathom what three would be like. Did you see any of the s- soccer documentaries on Netflix? There's a, I think there's at least a couple there. One of them was about, um, I think they did one about like captains. One of them involved the last World Cup. Hmm. 
and following certain captains and certain teams in the last World Cup, it's very good. Hmm, and you know, know me, I, my soccer knowledge is extremely limited, but this was really interesting because you kind of got a feel for the significance of the World Cup, what it means, the pressure these guys are all playing under. Yeah. So you're both, you would, I think you would both love the documentaries. Right. They're both on Netflix. As soon as I'm done with Avatar The Last Airbender, which is out on Netflix, well, I will I'm, uh, I'm jump pacing on that. myself through Drive to Survive season six. All right. Can't wait. Opening weekend. Yeah. You know, one thing I told Zach Jones is he's a big uh, F1 fan. There's a video out there that's really, uh, you know, you find stuff on the internet and I watch for 12 minutes. Red Bull built a drone to try to follow Max around on a full lap. Hmm. And a drone has to go as fast as an F1 car and do all those corners. And it was a little 12 minute thing about building that drone. First, they, as they're testing it, they go, they drag race the Red Bull, and they yep. beat it. The drone went faster than the F1 car. Wow. It's like, okay, well, we can keep up. No drones can go question is, can it go a whole lap? And, spoiler, they did it, and you will never want to watch an F1 race from any other angle. Really? It's amazing. Okay. This, like Max is doing a test lap just for the sake of the drone and testing the car, and they do it in the rain. I'm going to find this. And this drone shot, it's like, it's like when you watch uh, Skycam in an NFL game. Yeah, yep. And it's a pretty cool angle up there, you know, seeing how quarterbacks view the field. To watch Max from a drone was awesome. They will do occasionally on the F1, uh, you know, they will take like a helicopter shot. I mean, it's yeah. not, it is over top, which is kind of cool. Probably not as impressive as the drone because the drone, I would assume, is a lot closer to the it's car. Right, it's right, time's right behind it, right over it. Like you wonder if Max can see it in his rear view. And it's just like swinging through the corners with them. It's so cool. All right, I'm Kyle and Kenmore, up. quickly. Hey, Kyle, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Morning. Just a, just a quick thought on the draft. Um, we have a generational quarterback that looks like we're wasting. I'm listening to the station the other day. You guys come up with four receivers that we could surround them with. Once again, they're mid-receivers. So why not shoot for it all, guys? Why not move up for Marvin Harrison? Why not give up a player? Why not give up the boatload of picks? And why not just go ahead and go for a generational receiver to pair up with Josh? Uh, because it costs too much. Because you have to pay multiple, if they your first-round pick next year and more. And the receivers that we're talking about are not mid. That's, I mean, that's the, the actual answer. Yeah, oh, I, don't, yeah, I know the, why we're the, assuming they're mid. Yeah. The, the assets they're giving up to move up would... Remember, this is a team that's... What, $40-something million dollars over the cap? Um, they've got a lot of work to do on contracts, on restructuring, maybe some releases. They've got holes. They've got a lot of holes on the defensive line. They need safeties. They could probably use another cornerback. Their two starting tackles are one year from free agency. Like There is a lot of stuff Brandon Bean has to cover, and I feel like if he, as much as it would be cool to get that player, what you described giving up players on the roster, giving up a boatload of picks. It's not I don't think it's a good strategy for Brandon Bean because they need a lot of draft picks to pan out in this in the next few years. Yeah, remove the name of it. Remove Harrison. I don't think they could get to 4 reasonably. Right. If they could get to 12, I might not think it's the smartest thing to do, but I'm not going to be mad at him. If Adunze fell to 12 and they jumped up for Roma Adunze, okay. Yeah. I got no problem. 28 to 4 is a pretty big 20 to 4 is You need chart, one of those it's... four teams to sign up for, in, like, to sell to their fans. Wait, guys, we fell to 28. And next year's first round pick that we got from this team, the Bills, is going to be what? 
25th at best. Yeah. Right? Like, giving up your first next year is not the same. When the Texans and Cardinals made that trade and Arizona got Houston's Mm -hmm. first-rounder, they didn't know Houston was going to win their division. Ends up being the 27th pick, so that trade looks not as good. You know, when you trade your first, Ottawa, right? Ottawa traded a first-round pick and ended up being fourth overall. Mm-hmm. Is that Kale McCarr? Yeah. Oh, man, is that is right? Is that the Duchesne trade? Let me Point is, that. trading your first, it has value. Your, four, your next year's first. But if you bring your next year's first as the Bills, imagine Kansas City trying to offer up next year's first-round pick. Teams would be like, okay, so like 31, yeah, it's just too 32. Long. It's not the same as if the... Panthers offer you next year's first, which happened last year. Which works out really well. And it worked Bears. great for yeah. the Bears. Yeah, you know, right. I think you're going to stink. I'd love to take your first. Yeah. So I think there's a lot to it. If you're asking me, would I like Marvin Harrison Jr. on this team? Yeah. But I just don't think it's reasonable to try to make that offer. I don't know how you do it. Whereas, you know, sliding up from 28 to 13, okay. Or if you sense there was a run coming, do you have to move up? Five spots, ten spots? Can yeah. you just get ahead of the pack and get the guy you want? I, I, I would do that. I just don't see I, 28 to 4. It's just it's a massive jump. Yeah. And one of the reasons we're talking a lot about mid-receivers and free agency, I mean, who would I like them to get? Michael Pittman. But how likely is that? Doesn't seem who like they can for? make Arizona, right? And then you'd be convincing Arizona, desperately in need of a receiver for their passing <laughs> offense, to drop 24 spots and not take the best receiver in the draft, yeah. too. Thanks for the phone call. Bowen Kyle. Byram. Bowen that was, that Byram. Was the okay, they picked him fourth overall. overall. Yep. 803 uh, In extendo, I didn't get you that Aaron Schatz receiver. Oh, yeah. We'll have that for you. Okay, we've got to get that. Also, what happened since you uh, retired? Jack Eichel won the Stanley Cup. <laughs> we don't really want to talk about that. No. Not by himself. No, I, I'm actually in denial. That never happened. Well, he's back tomorrow. Great. How about him coming off an injury and like first game back might be... Tomorrow. Great. Is he going to taunt uh, the crowd and say and trash are they the feed afterwards? We were are, talking like we want to make a bet with someone that he's going to point to his ring finger at uh, some point during the game. Oh, Lord. I mean, he's got to. He's going to do it. You know he's going to do it. Is there a rule against wearing your Stanley Cup ring while you're playing? Do they have <laughs> oh, the rings? Man, man. What if he actually Listen, took his glove off and I, flashed the to ring? Michael Jack needs to be he the ultimate heel He takes his glove here. off and flashes the ring. To, <laughs> to that point. The Stanley Cup champs should have a patch on their jersey. Why do they wear the patch during the Cup Finals? They should wear the cup the entire following year hmm. that says champs. champs. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I like that. You should be wearing that the whole year. Yeah, yeah, right. No, or they no. all get to wear gold helmets. Something. Let's give you the golden eyes. i got so many ideas for this league. And, and the league I, is really get, open-minded to hearing all these yeah. ideas. I was going to say, so we can't even get them to have well. the right point system. <laughs> That's right. Okay, eight oh three oh five fifty. Extendo Sports coming up. Howard's in for a visit. Jeremy and Joe. Josh producing. Happy to have you along on a Friday that's warming up out there. Very, very nice here on WGR. All right, we had wide receiver idea of the day earlier with Darnell Mooney. Aaron Schatz is throwing a name in the ring. He wrote 32 free agents that each team should sign mm-hmm. for the Bills. Mm-hmm. Hit me. He wants the Bills to sign Calvin Ridley. All right. That's going to be pricey. Yeah, that's not happening. He can want them to sign Calvin Ridley, but what would it cost and how do they make it work? I wonder about his market value because he is... 
Is he is the league going to see him as unreliable because of injury stuff in the past and he missed time due to mental health and gambling yep, yep, yep. and Spotrek puts him at 4 years 68 million 17 per year. That's probably too much. I agree. I think that's definitely too much. Also, he hasn't played a lot in his career. Like he's only got four thousand passing yards. That's you might I, think I of him. Would he only get a one or two year deal? Would that, teams just not want to go longer? Well, than maybe. That? And the other thing is, you might think of him as well. This could be their future number one. He's not as young as you think. He's twenty nine. Yep. Like he's one year, one and a half years younger than Diggs. You're not getting much younger. Right. Over the cap, they do contract valuations. Like how much is this guy worth? Not what is he getting paid? They put him at fourteen six, which is between. Yeah. Diggs and Davis. Yep. You know, he'd be, I think he'd be a slight upgrade over Davis. He did drop a very, we want another guy that dropped a really important ball in the playoffs. Or what? Playoffs or and a regular season? Regular season. Regular yeah, season. They didn't yeah. make the playoffs. He dropped a deep ball that oh. would have put them in field goal position to win. Yeah, didn't they lose to the Titans or they something? Did. Yes, they did. We were that was the Bills. The that was, we needed yeah. that game. That's right. You know, receiver drop balls that can't <laughs> hold it against them forever. Can't believe we kind of dried up on all the receivers that were talking uh, to the Bills. Anyway, Brian Thomas Jr. said what? Said he met with the Bills, and I've got 40 seconds on him talking mock drafts, projecting the land of the Bills, and he looks happy talking about it. I don't know what he's saying. You guys are funny. Let's go. Hey, listen, Brian Thomas Jr., is he the best receiver? Will he be the best? I don't know, but there's a lot about that one that makes a lot of sense. Hmm. Skill set, fit, like it a lot. The night of the draft, you're not working. You'll be home, I assume. We're, I don't know. I, 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 wherever I, you are. I suggested we get a big party and everybody goes to it. Yes. And we all sit there and wait for the receiver. And then if they don't pick one, I don't know, we'll march on one Bill's drive. Well, or that's something. why I want to see your reaction. If you're not working, I need like FaceTime or something uh, to see your reaction at the pick. Question for you. We have a bet on the board. I don't know how you feel about this bet right now, Joe. Will Brandon Bean at any point in this process say the term wide receiver train? No. Yes, he will. No. He loves it. He, well, he is a big fan of the show. Is he? Maybe. He'll say it. <laughs> he's going to say it. Why would he say wide receiver train? Because he because he knows what's going on. He, because he's, he's, he's going to take a receiver. We have a so, bet. Will he say wide receiver train? So what he does is he actually breaks protocol. Goes to the draft. Where is it? Detroit, wherever the heck it is. Yep. To announce the Bills' first pick, walks onto stage wearing the engineer cap, and announces <laughs> the Bills' wide receiver train is glad to select. There you go. Josh, do you have that cut of uh, before we go? We'll go late because I want to hear Brian Thomas Jr. talk about what we'd like to play for the Bills. See Brandon Bean saying wide receiver train. I just sent it to you just now. He could, I guess, if they take the wide receiver and at the end of the night, you know, Bean comes down and talks to the media, he could say something about, you know, we were just on the wide receiver train. Brian Thomas Jr. has also met with the Bengals. Just to be nice. Just to be nice. He's just trying to be nice. Yeah, right. All right, here's Brian Thomas Jr. on meeting with the Bills. I have a meeting with the Bills uh, maybe Wednesday, and I feel like I bring a – I would be a great teammate – that's it. Probably more. It frees up on you. I'm a great leader in the wide receiver room. Uh, just being able to be me. I think this is Twitter's video player. It's Twitter has been having issues with this. Shocker, right? Mm. The, the site's going, everything's going so uh, great. Meanwhile, they found Marvin Harrison Jr. Where was he? Chris Carter says that he's getting a full body scan by medical personnel at the combine. That's what Chris Carter says. I thought you were going to say he's getting a full body massage. I don't. Th- that wasn't the tweet, at least. <laughs> So I don't know. All right. He also told everyone to relax. 
As if the number one receiver in the draft mysteriously disappearing and nobody have any explanation for it yeah. for an hour and a half. This is very is not, is not hmm. cause for concern. We, we call this the Aaron Rodgers, the draw attention to yourself and then ask, "What's everybody? What's what? Why, right. why are you so interested in me?" Exactly. Oh, no, that's the Aaron Rodgers. Uh, don't I don't, draft this I don't guy. think he's like that. Well, he should at least fall to twenty-eight. You know what? That's this is that's right. This is the anti whatever the the disseminate false information campaign yeah. to make the guy drop far. We need Laramie Tunsil's gas mask. Is what we need. One of the, one of those. <laughs> Roman oh. Dunze was just asked if he could land a plane in an emergency. It's a question he just got at the combine. and he said, "I prefer trains." <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. All right. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for asking. Happy anniversary. You too. Hope retirement's treating you well. Hope you've enjoyed being I say retirement. without I, me I, sitting I, I next to you. I see you on TV every day. Semi-retired. You're all over the place. <laughs> I am all over You're the place. You're on Sabres broadcasts. I'll be filling in again. Again? So, yeah. Look at this. Just one game. I just want to... Don't watch that night. <laughs> Which one is it? Islanders, March 14th. Oh, I would never watch the Islanders anyway. <laughs> Who would Thanks, ever watch the Islanders? But it's not about me. It's about the opposition then. Yes. Okay, yes. good. All right. Nice to see you, boys. Nice to see you, too. Uh, Extra Point Show, North Town Automotive. Extra Point Show coming up. Combine continues. Wide receiver train rolls along. Have a good weekend. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.